0: Hello and welcome to the Falling Star Wrestling Podcast. Today we're talking about wrestling moves. From the humble clothesline to the RKO out of nowhere, we cover them all. Well, not all of them, but we get into it deep. I'm your host for the podcast, Patrick Vincent Crown, aka PVC, and I'm joined by the boss man Jimmy Starr. If it's your first time here, welcome along, but be aware we pull no punches here and it's unfiltered here at the Falling Star Wrestling Podcast. All right. Let's get moving. So, Jimmy, on previous podcasts, we've gone on and on and on about the basics of wrestling and also character. But there's something we haven't really developed on. And this is something that we call kind of the, the tools to kind of build your house. And it's it's moves, wrestling moves. Now, we haven't really talked about it too much. Does that sound like a good thing to do today, Jim?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can pick out a few of our favorite moves and talk about how they'd, how they'd be performed in, in a ring. Um, how they should be taken um, safely so neither, neither person gets hurt um, you know even the bigger moves we talk about you know there's obviously ways of doing everything in wrestling so you don't get hurt that, that's the point we rack off a few moves that we like and um, just go into detail about them and uh, see uh, see how long we can uh, keep, the, keep the listeners uh, engaged for i got a move first I love when taken properly and um Overused, but a move I used to love. And a move I still do love, again, when taken properly, and that's the DDT, standard DDT. The standard DDT, obviously, was Jay the Snake's finisher, and that was it, done. And if you think about it, psychology-wise, driving a man's fucking head straight into the mat, into the hard mat, that should be it. And you're using your entire body weight to do that, you know, quickly. Um, I know now it's turned into a transitional move. People try and spike it and do these weird rolls and do these weird fucking things to to try and make it look more vicious. But I think a DDT that's taken with a really nice fucking pancake bump and done quickly with snap. I think is a fucking, is a, is an awesome move. What, what, what do you reckon to the DDT?
0: See, I grew up in a, in a kind of wrestling realm where, like you said, the, the DDT was a more of a transitional move because I'd never really seen it as a finisher unless it was more of a, you know, kind of a, a an edge kind of impaler DDT or, you know, the rock would do the, the spin around DDT or, you know, there might even be the, the, the double arm DDT, but the standard DDT for me was always, yeah, just a kind of a move that people had in their set. And it was a move that often kind of went from wrestler to wrestler. It was never one of those sort of special moves. So I'm guessing after, you know, Jake the Snake sort of, I guess, essentially kind of left the business or, you know, went on to to do different stuff and he wasn't in the limelight. I'm guessing people just thought, oh, that's a really, really cool move. It gets over. It looks good. And like you said, if it's executed properly, it can be a, a really nice, devastating move. So for me, it's never really been the most outstanding move, but I do really like it. And I feel like as kind of a young wrestling fan, it's the move that you sort of pick up the soonest and it's it's a move that can be done kind of out of nowhere it can be done at any point and even sort of for me when i was you know sort of 14 15 in school and we were sort of pretending to be wrestlers you wouldn't go in for the choke slam straight away or you wouldn't go in for the the suplex or the power bomb you know you, you could easily kind of grab a ddt and you can almost sort of add a bit of flair to it with the with the kick and the ddt especially like uh the, the rock used to do where it was almost like a quick kick and a quick snap you know and then you could kind of nip up and go into the next spot it was a it was a really kind of impactful quick snappy move but i don't think i've ever really seen it done as effective as as jake the snake used to do it so i guess for me it's a good move but i've not really seen it sort of in in its entire glory does that make sense
1: well yeah of course i I mean i think the reason i I like it i mean even even if we take the you know, the element of the fact that he obviously used to be Jake's finisher and, uh you know, no one no one got up from it. Obviously the psychology of, of driving someone's head into the ground, you know, that in, in wrestling sort of nowadays and for a long time now, uh, like you say, since Jake the Snake sort of became less of a, uh, a, a wrestler and, and sort of... And did other things, mainly smoked drugs. <laughs> um, but you know, but it, it, as he sort of phased out the business, um, you know, people people used it as a as a transitional move or, or just a move. When you think about the psychology of it, it's quite a, it's quite a powerful move when when done right. It's easiest to take when done right. It's easy to do when done right. It's it, it's like it's like the sort of move where you know like in wrestling school, when you go to a wrestling school, no one teaches you every move under the sun. You know, they, they'll teach you a few moves and they'll teach you about basing and footwork. And they'll teach you about rolling and bumping. And they'll teach you, they'll teach you loads of things. And they'll teach you, you know, obviously the, the more technical side of it. So you couldn't, especially over in the UK, um, I think in the UK especially, we're, we're very good and Falling Star is very good at sort of teaching the, the, the basics and the foundations and, you know, so, so you're not going to fucking fall on your ass and, you know, um, you know enough technical wrestling, um, you know, even if you don't like it, you know, you know so much of it that it, um, it's going to be able to take you through um, an entire match if, if needs be. I mean, you know, because like I said, I was taught by the people who – you know, used to do fucking six, five minute rounds, you know, if they're doing an hour, then, you know, they they got to be able to pace themselves. So, you know, I mean, they didn't do moves like DDTs and shit like that, that that just didn't exist in British wrestling, British wrestling repertoire. But sort of going on from what I'm saying, I don't think I've ever sat there in a class, um, I may have done it once or twice, and taught, and, and taught people how to do a DDT because if you can do a back bump and if you can do a front bump and if you can sort of fairly loosely grab around someone's head with your left arm and fall back at the same time, I mean what Jake used to do to time it for the Iggy is used to slap their back and the minute he slapped their back, they'd go. And some people still do that. They'll slap the back and go, you know, and um, bang, you know, just fucking take it flat. If, if the person doing it goes on their back and doesn't just fall back then you know and drill your head in the floor as long as they just fucking kick their legs away like you say like the rock just did you kick your legs away and because the person doing it um, needs to fucking fall back and or kick their legs out and back bump it pretty much exactly where they're standing so the person who pancakes it you know is not going to you know doesn't isn't legitimately going to drill their head in the floor because the person's falling back you know but so yeah it's a fairly safe move to to do and take it's even now it's still got a lot of impact if you put it in the right place like all these moves that we mentioned you know where wherever you put a DDT in a match um it's 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 a move that's been around for a long time people recognize it and it and it gets it gets a good pop and it's unfortunately now I' just become a sort of great faly rather than an actual finish the thing I hate the thing I hate when um, I see the DDT is when people fucking just over when they when they spike it and they like flip and they nearly flip onto their feet and uh, you know it looks like they've worked out a way how to take it so it looks like they've completely fucking, you know, drilled their head into the ground, fucking compounded their fucking spinal cord and and fucking vertebrae. popped up in the air, nearly flipped onto their feet. Um, and all of a sudden their, their sound is pound. I mean that if, if you landed fucking like that without knowing what you were doing, um, you wouldn't be walking anymore. So I don't like it when a DDT is overdone. I don't mind a forward roll with a DDT because that's sort of the momentum taking you. And again, it, it, the how people used to take the Rocks DDT a lot. They used to take the, the sort of little forward roll and a bit maybe a bit of a flip with it. But like the, the Kenny Omega, and I didn't used to like him when Rob Van Damme did it either, unfortunately, and I love Rob Van Dam, But when he took a DDT and he just, he just ended up totally vertical or whatever, and then you know, was up in the air for about th- for a half hour and then he'd suddenly <laughs> fall back. It fucking, it just, it, it took the the realism out of the move, I think. Because, um, you know, the way Jake did it was very realistic and I'm the way Rob Van Damme took it was very athletic. It wasn't a little realistic and looked like it would get the job done like it did in the old days where, you know, it, it just looked like it came out and i Head's fucking just drilled into the mat, you know. Fucking one, two, three, bosh. Or as it as it turned into a transition, fucking one, two, kick out, get a false out of it, whatever. But when they spike it and do all the all the silly, uh, you know, they, when they take it in a silly manner, I fucking I, I'm not too keen on that to be honest with you.
0: See, I actually don't mind it when Rob Van Dam does it. I, I, I kind of mostly agree with you when when they kind of do the almost, you know, kind of head spring flip up to their, their feet and kind of do the wacky indie sell. I think that can be a little bit much at sometimes. But I used to really, really enjoy it when Rod, Rob Van Dam would get uh, would get DDT'd, especially by The Rock, because The Rock would have such sort of snap on it. And then RVD would just hit the mat and he would almost, you know, be vertical. And like he said, he'd be hanging there for, for a good couple of seconds and I think it just had that sort of like wow moment because Rob Van Dam was so athletic and so sort of like flexible I just think it worked with him and you know I've seen other people do it and I've even tried to do it myself and it's, it's a hard thing to do and if you don't get it right it just basically just kills the whole move so if if Rob Van Dam's gonna do it I'm, I'm all for that but anybody else like either just like you said pancake it do it do a, like a nice snappy front bump and then then turn over, and if you need to sit up and sell your head, or or whatever the whatever the next transition is going to be, or if it's like you said going to be a roll through type thing, you can sort of you know roll through you know into a seated position, and then you can show the crowd that you you know you've just been dropped onto your head. But I guess it depends on who's doing the move and who's taking the move um, in terms of of how you sell the move. But I I do agree with you in a sense that it can be a really good impactful move and like you said it does get over with the crowd but i think nowadays there are certain moves that are like like you said oversaturated like for instance we we might talk about it later but like a super kick now everybody does one everybody can can take a good one and everybody kicks out of them nowadays so it's become less of a finisher that Shawn Michaels used to do and put people away, you know, every night of the week to a move that they just do sort of five, five times in a row. And then the person gets up and does a little wacky sell and then probably spins around and jumps, suplexes the other guy. So I think when you kind of dilute a move like that, like it has been with the DDT, probably not so much nowadays. I don't feel like I actually see it that much nowadays. You see the Miz do it. I, I think he does quite a good one where he kind of kicks them in the knee. They go onto their their knees and then he sort of does like a, uh, he leans forward and then jumps back with it. I think that's quite a good DDT because it's sort of his move. It's not just, you know, kick to the stomach DDT. He's done something different. Like he, like I mentioned earlier with, with Mankind, he used to do the double arm DDT. That was different. You'd have the Dirty Deeds, which was another sort of double underhook DDT. The um, the Future Shock DDT that um, Drew Drew McIntyre does. That's another good one. Um, and just these kind of little, little different bits rather than just, you know, kick to the stomach standard DDT. It just adds a little, a little extra to it. What do you reckon?
1: Yeah, I mean, everything has to evolve, doesn't it? I mean, there's, there's always going to be an evolution of moves, which you know it starts with the DDT and ends with like the Future Shock DDT or like you say, yeah, the Double Arm DDT or I think even Paige, before she retired used to do some weird DDT where she used to lift them up a little bit first and fucking, you know, end up like. Really, I mean, it really looked fucking dangerous. I mean, obviously it wasn't as you well protecting people, Um, but it was. uh, Yeah, I mean, everything evolves, doesn't it? There's there's plenty of moves. You know, like the pile driver, and then you've got the fucking pile driver that Jerry Lynn used to do, where he used to hook the legs in the middle, and then you got the fucking the pile driver that um, that Steen used to do, where the package pile driver. I mean, everything everything changes, and everything evolves, but. I was just like like the old-style one. And just before we go on to the next move or whatever, or, or, or your move, yeah, I, I, I think I'm going to take back my cent, uh, sentiment in a certain way and uh, slightly agree with you, Rob Van Dam. Because with Rob Van Dam, um, even if he did oversell the DDT a bit or oversell certain things, um, Rob Van Dam knew how to sell. Um, so because he knew how to sell the facial expressions afterwards really fucking showed the crowd how much that fucking hurt him. Do you know what I mean? And he would he would roll around holding his head and like, you know, Rob Van Dam's selling is very underrated. But like I say, when a Kenny Omega takes it, even someone like, um, and I love him, and I do love him, but even so, when someone like Pac takes one, you know, he'll do about 18 flips after someone's given him a DDT. And it just, it's more like, he's trying to make the move look cool, look, look painful. And I think that's where, I think that's where the, the line is drawn. You know, is the move going to look painful and look like it's fucking hurt? And is it going to fit into the match psychology wise? And is the fucking wrestler who's, who's doing it going to be doing it out of desperation? Is the rest of taking it going to be a baby face and taking it out? You know, and in fucking agony, selling during the heat or, or whatever, you know, like it's it's wherever it's placed in the match. But Rob Van Dam did always make it look, look, even though he spiked it and shit and pinged himself out of it, he did know how to sell it. So I'll give him that. Again, it's the line between reality and trying to make things look cool for, for Smart Marks. That's just a line I draw.
0: I think you raise a really good point there because there are moves that probably don't look as good as they probably should do, but they look like they hurt. But then there's other things when you have to kind of over embellish a move. Yeah, maybe you're kind of taken away from the sort of the effectiveness of the of the actual move. Like you said, a DDT in in and of itself, the psychology is you, you you just grab around somebody's neck, and with all your weight, you're pulling them down because you know in the old adage of wrestling, wherever the head goes, the body will follow. So if you're going to yank on somebody's neck, you know, pull them, you've you've got your forearm around their chin, they can't move, and you fall backwards with force, and their head, you know, goes. Deep into the mat, they're going to have neck problems. They're probably going to be con- concussed. You know, if we're talking super legitimate terms, if if you did that on the street on the concrete, you know, they're going to, the head's all going to be busted up. They're going to be like bloody seeing, you know, birds flying around the head and stars and stuff like that. But if you're looking more so at, you know, like a pack selling, and I was going to mention Pack because he's amazing, but yeah, when he sells a DDT, it's, it's ridiculous. It's like he just does a head spring and then, you know, does a whole like googly eyes thing, and you're like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit much, isn't it? But in, in-
1: it's, the indie, it's the indie selling I talk about. Sometimes it's just he's trying to make things look impressive. He does that quite a lot with his moves. But then again, also he can be very intense. I mean, I'm not I'm not shitting on him, but when he takes that move, he takes it a little bit too much. He take, he takes it because he's not selling it for pain. He's not selling it for any purpose to fucking you know to to make the actual move look look painful he's trying to make the move look cool and that's 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 not really I don't think what what is about I mean there's some cool moves like if you do a shooting star press and land it and the bloke fucking sells it and perfectly and the bloke and the guy does it great then you know that that's a wrestling move you know and that looks cool and it's meant to look cool um, but there are some moves, I think, which like the DDT, which were invented to look look rough and grisly and painful and fucking, you know, and, and take people out. They weren't meant to look like a high flying springy, look what I can do type sell. Uh, and I think that's what a lot of the independent guys sell. And that's not just back who's, who's um, you know, who, who, who's guilty of that. That was the only person I could think of all the time. There's fucking loads. Of guys. There's loads of guys out there who do it. I see it all the time.
0: But if if you think of like wrestling moves in terms of it's it's a move that somebody does, and there's a move that somebody delivers, and then on the other end, it's the move that somebody takes and the move that somebody sells. Moves can look great if they're delivered properly, but if they're not sold properly it just completely kills the move. And I always go back to that wrestling match. I can't remember. I think it was like a SummerSlam. It was at like some random like pay-per-view and it was um, it was Shawn Michaels versus Hulk Hogan. You probably know the one. Yeah. And I don't know whether it was like some sort of rib, whether Shawn Michaels wasn't happy about going out there and, and facing Hulk Hogan, whatever it was, some sort of weird backstage politics. But throughout that whole match, Shawn Michaels oversold literally everything that, that Hulk Hogan gave him. You know, and back in the day, like moves that Hulk Hogan did were like, quite well protected and people sold them as they should and they look like devastating manoeuvres but then like Hulk Hogan drops a leg drop and then Shawn Michaels like stands on his feet does a forward roll falls out of the ring and then starts like you know convulsing on the outside you're like Uh. okay you just made a move that is supposed to be quite legitimate and protected and effective and you know countless world titles were won with that leg drop but then Shawn Michaels has just made it look like the absolute jokiest move ever and yeah you have to kind of have that that nice balance of the move is done correct but if I do a move and I've executed it, you know, a star plus ten out of ten. But the person taking it does a does a level two bump. You're gonna be like, well, that was a, not a very good move," or it wasn't executed properly, or it just didn't look as effective as it should. So it's it's on both people to to, to pull off the move, isn't it?
1: Well, this the story behind that was was it was meant to be a three match deal where Michaels was happy to put Hogan over in the first one. Um, and then Michaels was going to win the next two because obviously Michaels was going to hang around for a bit and, uh, you know, Hogan was, was going to be off. Um, you know, it was sort of like his sort of farewell deal. He he basically refused the two matches afterwards and said, we're just doing the one and, and I'm going over. So Michaels did the match and, you know, he'd be, he'd be You know, that was fucking, you know, a bit wrong of I him. Mean, he didn't care about losing the match, but what he just, what he did care about was the, you know, Hogan not doing business, not doing it right, and returning the favor. And I can sort of see that. But um, when I watch that match now, like it's, do you know what? It's weird because when I first saw that match, I probably watched it live. I didn't really notice the overselling. I didn't really notice it until someone pointed it out. And then, you know, I thought to myself, fuck yeah, he did. He, I mean like Hogan grabbed the back of his head and rammed it into a turnbuckle. Shawn Michaels fucking bounced off the bottom <laughs> rope as he did it and then did like a and then did like a turn and a flip yeah. and uh you know and, and fucking stuff like that. But to be honest with you, to be honest with you it still was a cool match. Like I can't fucking <laughs> take it away. I still enjoyed it, but you're right. The overselling was ridiculous and, and it was the proven point. And that was, um, you're so much better than me. Um, you know, Hulk Hogan, that, um, everything you do to me is going to fucking kill me shortly. Cause you, you won't return the favors. And, uh, and the, the next day on, on raw, uh, Shawn Michaels cut a scathing promo on, uh, on Hogan anyway so uh, so yeah it wasn't it wasn't uh, wasn't the best bit of business but it was it was it was still a cool match but yeah um, Shawn Michaels did not know when to tone it down the touch because there was some there was a, some, a bit of a beat down in there and Hogan was bloodied up and there was some certain bits in there where the match needed to be t- took seriously and 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 you know Shawn Michaels did that but yeah there was a lot in there where yeah Shawn Michaels took a a boot to the face and then he got up again and then he took a bump, a beautiful bump and then got up, span around and took another bump and then was in the perfect position for the leg drop. And then fucking, it just, it's funny (laughs) shit really. Yeah. But but good shit. I, I, I enjoyed that. I can't, even though that's the, even though I would, if Kenny Omega done that, I'd would fucking rip, <laughs> rip the arse off him. But it, this is Shawn Michaels. We we know we know that that's not the way Shawn Michaels would normally do things. Um, and uh, how amazing he was at selling and t- you know taking whatever. So, you know, you know, that that's that's not his usual style. You, you know, he did it because he was, he was annoyed and he, he, knew, he thought that Hogan wasn't doing business. He was he just wanted to leave as, as the hero sort of thing, you know.
0: Hey guys, PVC here for a quick interruption. Don't forget Falling Star Wrestling will be at the Westlin Sports and Social Club this Saturday, the 14th of August for more live wrestling action. Tickets are available on the door. Show starts at 7.30. We hope to see you there. And now, on with the show.
1: what's the move that you like that you think people maybe uh, oversell or, or, or a move that's actually taken quite well or a move that's difficult to do but it still looks cool like what's the move that you like
0: I think it's all of those that you just mentioned there. So I was going to pick a move and it is a move that sort of I've learned at a few different sort of wrestling schools. And it's something that you you need to learn because there's a little bit of timing involved and it can be very uh, a very dangerous move. But if done well, it can look absolutely spectacular. It's not a finisher and it is more of a sort of a transitional move, but it's the back body drop. So uh, for those for those out there that don't really know, because it's not really done that often, there's only a few wrestlers out there that I can name who can take an exquisite back body drop, and that's Christian and AJ Styles, and they both do it phenomenally, you know, pardon the pun. But essentially it's, you know, um, you're sort of rushing towards your opponent, the opponent drops down, kind of h- hunches over, locks onto your kind of, I guess, thigh muscles, and then launches you over the, the, the back of the head. You do a, a flip bump and then just land beautifully in the mat, and it's a move that I've seen done quite a lot of times in wrestling school very, very badly because it's all about the timing and that's something you need to develop over time in wrestling as, as you kind of get a feel for the ring, get a feel for your opponent, get a feel for kind of timing, you know, you take that step, you do a little jump, you you push down and, and there's a posting to it and there's all sorts of things that you need to think about, which is I think the reason that you probably don't see it as much in pro wrestling and especially like kind of independent wrestling because I don't think I've ever seen a back body drop done done in falling star. I've never done one and I've never taken one in a falling star wrestling ring. And I think that's kind of almost how rare it is. But I know back in probably in maybe in the World of Sport days, it was actually a move that was done as possibly a finish i could be i could be wrong there but it was a move that you could kind of like bump somebody in the corner bump somebody in the corner and that as they come out you you um sort of throw them over the back of your head and that might be a, a fall for the for for the for the round or you know or you might do the back body drop and then they'd swing around and do the uh, the sunset flip so i just always thought it was a really, really cool move and i don't think it's over overdone And I don't think it's underutilized because it's not a move that somebody's going to be like, I'm going to bring back the back body drop and it's going to be the biggest, greatest, bestest move ever. I think it's just going to be a move that you'll see every now and then and go, oh, that was good. And if somebody takes it really well, you'll go, oh. That was amazing. Like, you know, AJ Styles like flew 10 foot in the air or Jeff Hardy did a crazy sick bump and looked like he was hanging him in the air for like four seconds or, you know, Christian looked like he was going to die or somebody takes it really badly and you're like, oh, they didn't really go, go that well, did it? Or they both crumple on the floor or it doesn't get much height or the person just sort of like, I don't know, it's almost like a leapfrog and they just kind of barrel over and, and turn it into a, a forward roll and you're sort of like, that's a very underwhelming move. But if done right, I think the back body drop is a is is a great move. What do you reckon, Jim? Yeah, it
1: is. It's it's. Uh, yeah, I've I've probably in, in matches in my career, and, and bear in mind, I, I, I've had a lot. Um, I've taken probably about four back body drops. I have to say, um, I did. I have taken a back body drop in fallen star wrestling. Um, I, I, that is the truth. I have taken one, um, but I, I can't remember whether it was. A proper big back body drop, or just like a reversal to it. Powerbomb or something I can't remember, but it's the same sort of it's the same sort of fucking idea. The thing with the back body drop is it wasn't until I went to America that I learned how to do it properly and I learned how to post for it properly. Obviously, like you say, the guy's got to uh, who's doing it. Yeah, has got to give you a good boost on the on the thighs. But um, what you've got to do as well is sort of sort of quite high on their back, almost there, They're just below their shoulder blade you need to put your hand. We were told to put them in like a diamond position almost so that um, when they stand up and fucking to give you that post, you push up with your hands, look up with your head and and the minute you're at your sort of peak of, of height, you turn and you you, you take the bump. Um, so it, it's, it's something I was taught and something I, I have taught in, in falling star, um, it's a difficult one to get right, and especially if you want to get really high. Shawn Michaels used to be really good at taking them as well. If you wanted to get really high um, and you want to post, and you know you want to fucking do everything to go perfectly, um, it's, it is one of those moves where everything has to go perfect. Because if you land on your side, it's going to fucking hurt. Um, if 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 you don't post properly. Or the person doesn't boost you properly, it's gonna look low and it's gonna look shit. I think it's I think it's one of those moves where just a lot of things can go wrong with it. So people just think, fuck it, I'll I'll leave it. Uh Brother a. Dudley used to do him really good. He used to do, he used to launch people. Like um, I see who else was good at taking him. Spike Dudley, he used to fucking fly up in the air. It's really just a question of timing with that move and the posting has to be perfect. You have to have that diamond shape on the back before you go. You have the person who's doing it has to boost you really high and not be a fucking, not be, not be a bitch about it. Um, other than that, all sort of higher on the thighs are better, really. You've got to post up and you've got to look up as well. You can't be tucking as you're going because the back body drop will be really low then. You have to be looking really high, um, and you have to boost yourself as well, keeping your hands in a diamond shape on their back. And, and like, I've always said before, when we've been doing anything which requires a bit of height, is you know look find find a point in the you know in the ring or in the arena that's high, as high as you want to go, and just look at it and don't fucking duck and don't fucking Rotate until you get to that point until you get to that height because obviously your body, your legs are always going to go over your body. So, the higher you can get, even though it's basic and it's been done for years, and in the WWE they used to do it a lot. I think, um, I think it was because it was sort of like, um, there's so many moves now that probably hurt less than that. People would rather do them than that move, but back in the day when people didn't know a lot of moves or didn't do a lot of moves, that was one that was... I mean, it's fairly obvious that... It's it's a fairly obvious move to do, just fucking throw someone over your head. The British used to do it different. They used to do it side-on. So um, the person doing it would just use the one arm to go B-side on and just use the one arm, and the other person would would post... uh, Sometimes they wouldn't even post... Um, but a lot of the times they'd post and uh, I'd advise you to watch World of Sport and, and, and see you know the difference between the old style English backdrop and the American backdrop because the old style English backdrop was done totally from the side. The boat doing it was doing it from the side. So it seemed very hard for the uh, other person to post. But at some point, you know, some people took it like, you know, fucking people like Mark Rocco and and, and Steve Gray and even that Daddy Collins and Dynamite Kid, That they, they, would, they would have taken a, a back body drop. Like they would have flown through the air with it. I've taken a few over the years. Um, I took one in FSW once. Mighty Skull gave me one in LDN. I remember that. And I also remember after we'd just come back from America, I wanted to take one um, an all-star show because I wanted to see if I could remember I get that fucking hype. And uh, we were in a mixed tag, me and, uh, me and Lisa Fury, who were, uh, by God, she was hot. Fuck, she was hot. Oh, my God, she was hot. I fucking... Oh, God. I was, you were I was just shot. showing off
0: in front of her, weren't you? You're like, I can do a really big back body drop. Mm-hmm. Watch this. I would more
1: than that, mate, to, to fucking sharpen her. I would have shot my mother just to smell her knickers. <laughs> anyway, she fucking, um, so she was my tag team partner. Cougar Kid, who was obviously awesome, was um, fucking, we went and had the match, and uh, me and Chris had just come back from the States. So we were looking good. We were really sharp. We had all our American fucking shit behind us. We've been out there for months. We were fucking quite finely tuned. Uh, you know, the, the athletes we came back. And we, when it was time for us to get, our, to get our shit in, we made sure that we fucking, you know, we did all-star stuff and, you know, we didn't go too far. But, he, um, yeah, he hit me with a back body drop and I fucking flew with that one. And I remember Brian Dixon, um, <laughs> yeah, it was quite funny. He, uh, after the match, and uh, me and Chris and, uh, went over to get paid. He went, Oh, lads, this is what I fucking said to you. Congratulations. He said, I thought that match was going to be the fucking shit. <laughs> he said, That's what I put it on, where I put it on. He said, I thought it was going to be fucking terrible. Well, actually, that was, a, that was a fucking good match. Well done. You, you, you did well, lads. He said, Oh, thank you very much. It's a it's a sort of backhanded compliment, but uh, thank you very much. <laughs> you know, from someone who's been watching, watching and promoting wrestling for nearly forty years. By that point, to say a match was good that we were in, it was it was a very, it was a very nice compliment. And that's the only match I've wrestled for Brian Dixon so many times. That's the only match that he obviously actually watched and uh, and, and and gave and gave me praise for.
0: You know why I watched it, don't you? Because there was hot chicks in it. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, basically, yeah, there, was, there was there was there was fucking nice birds. I got another story about Brian Dixon. Um, I was uh, I was going out with a fucking tasty bird. I'm not going to mention her name because uh, because uh, this this is quite a, quite a funny story. I was doing a addiction show, and he said he said, "Fucking hell, is, it a, 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 is that your fucking girlfriend?" And I went, "Yeah, yeah, it's yeah." And he went. <laughs> she's fucking stunning. Yeah, she's, she's fucking, she's a stunner like, you're lucky, you're absolutely fucking lucky. And I went, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he came back to me a little bit later, like during the show and I thought he was going to give me some fucking instructions about the match or at least tell me who I was wrestling or what I was doing or what was going on. And he went he went, I fucking can't believe it. he just kept going on about it. But like, I fucking can't believe how beautiful she is. She's fucking stuck. I I fucking I am no wonder you're fucking he, I said he said, marry her fucking now. Like she's fucking, I said, she's fucking tasty, bro, and I'll give you that. I'm a lucky bastard. He went, You fucking are. He said he said, You fucking are he said he said, I'll tell you what. He said, uh can you fucking uh, get a pair of her drawers? And I went, what, what do you mean? I said, what, the one she's got on? I said, uh, I'd be a bit fucking tricky here. And he went, no, 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 <laughs> next time I see you, he said, you're resting you're next week for a silver and so on and so Can you, are you going to go around the house? He said, if you can, can you fucking get a pair of her drawers? And I went, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. I'll be, <laughs> fucking grab a pair of her niggas, I ain't a problem. And he's like, yeah, fucking, yeah, yeah, grab, grab us a nice fucking thong if you could. So good. Uh, so during that week, I went around hers a couple of times and uh, she was out of the room and I was fucking rooting for a knickers draw, a knicker draw for a decent thong. I found a nice fucking lacy red one. It was my fucking probably really expensive thong. I just put it in my pocket, waxed it in my wrestling bag, and she wasn't out the next show. I said, I saw Brian, and I went, there you go, mate, it's your fucking, there's the knickers. And he went, fucking good old boy, and he just put him in his top pocket, and that was it. And, uh, <laughs> and, they, and then he put me in a really good match that night. I can't remember, I remember, remember it was fucking someone and uh, I thought, well, that's how I keep him happy. He just, he just wanted a pair of fucking knickers. It was, it was fucking odd. <laughs> but he just kept going. It, it, this, this, and that is true. That is a fucking true story. <laughs> um, I don't know we will not to be talking about moves, but that is a fucking, that is a fucking true story.
0: That's a power move, that isn't that's it? A, yeah, well, yeah, that, that, swap that. a pair of knickers for, a, for a decent, decent spot in the card. For a
1: decent spot on the card, and just, just for him to remember me. So he kept, so he would keep booking me, and he did. He booked me a lot, and uh, you know. In the end, me and that girl split up, but not after eighteen months. I mean, this was when I was first getting out of her. I could, I could, I think, I think, unfortunately, though, she would have probably noticed the uh, the fact that she had no fucking underwear by the time that me and her split up, <laughs> and Brian Dixon was fucking wandering around with it all packed in his fucking top pocket but um but yeah that's uh that's that's that's, uh, that's the truth
0: now i'm not saying you should have done it or shouldn't have done it you know this is you know it's probably early jimmy star years but didn't you ever think of just buying some underwear from a shop and just doing it that way and not actually having to to give them underwear do, you know, do them?
1: you know fucking how expensive women <laughs> I underwear is like a decent set of, it's fucking ridiculous like really i feel sorry for women like they have to fucking... and you were stealing them yeah but she had loads I mean she had fucking I mean she probably had about three or four pairs of the same fucking thong this, this bird I was going out with at the time was fucking like she was tasty but she knew it and she fucking had every kind of fucking makeup dress bra fake nails fake this fake that like she she knew she was the fucking she knew she was she knew she was whole as fucked so her her underwear drawer was spilling, spilling. I mean, to be honest with you, I did her a favor by getting by getting rid of her. underwear <laughs> I only did I only did it once, and it progressed me in my career for All Star Wrestling. I did I did a lot for him for a long time, but the girl was fucking well over fucking eighteen. Everyone, I was fucking well over eighteen <laughs> in my twenties. You fucking, you know, it's just a pair of fucking drawers, don't go ballistic. It was, uh, and, uh, the man, the man taken and was quite an old man, but you know, we, we were, we were all of age and, uh, so, you know. You're either
0: going to get cancelled or <laughs> you're going to get plenty of knickers at the next show. People being like. Yeah, Jim. I heard this is a uh, way to get, get, get good matches on the card. Uh, if I slip slip you these drawers, fancy put me on the main event? I'm not saying that's what I did to get on the main event of the last show, but you know, it's something people could do. I
1: fucking unfortunately, I, I have, I'm not I've got a fetish for uh, for draws. I want to get them off as quick as possible, no matter how fucking when women are in 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 uh, in in a sort of uh, sexual uh, scenario. Have gone out and bought really expensive lingerie for me or whatever, just to just to try and turn me on. I don't give a fuck about it. I will just rip it off in thirty <laughs> seconds. It's gone. I don't. What do I give a fuck about it? They're gonna be wearing fucking um, odd fucking pants, odd bra, old socks. Go, they're gonna be off off very fucking quickly. Um, but <laughs> yeah, uh, so it's, but moves, moves. yeah. So, but moves, pressing moves. Yeah, moving on. Moving on another move I, I like, which I think is a, is a really fucking, I mean, again, simple, like we, we're just talking simple moves rather than finishes at the moment. I think we'll, we'll build up to finishes. But I think like fucking a, a move you don't really see anymore. It's fuck is again, another face one into the mat. It's a fucking bulldog. Like standard bulldog. Do you know what I mean? Like, I can't think of the last time I said Bret Hart used to do him great. Um, fucking, he was sort of the king of it. That, that, they, they were sort of, that was sort of one of his moves. He stuck that in his repertoire. Um, but yeah, you you know what I mean. By the ball stand, the bulldogging, you just fucking yeah. like you don't you 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 don't see that anymore. And it's a good, I think it's a good move that A has got a lot of movement in it. Um, B is easy to understand um, and C is, uh, well, a, this should be A really, but A is is safe to take and safe to do um, as long as a person isn't gripping on your head like it's a fucking, you know, like, you like, know, like vice-like grip trying to burst it like a grape. Do you know what I mean? If you're with them, you are fucking, and, and you take that flat bump again, they just go on their ass if they don't lean on you as well, because that's another thing. So this is another thing about wrestling, guys, which you, you you don't fucking think of. Like, you know, if you're doing a bulldog on someone and you've got fucking your hammer right around the head and you take a few steps, jump on your ass and fucking give them that bulldog, but you lean on them with, with your arm around their neck. I mean, fucking hell, you could do so much damage for that. That's why you've got to be light in wrestling, and you know you've got to watch out for what you're doing, and be really, really aware that you're not leaning on people. And that's something that people even do with lockups; they lean on you or waist locks. When people are new, they'll lean on you. They'll lean. They'll, they'll fucking like start to lean on you. You or you got a hammerlock on them, and they'll fucking lean on you and start to fall, and you'll start to fall back, and your your footwork goes all out of balance because and they they haven't got any footwork anyway because they're new. Um, but you re- that's, that's, you really have to teach people, those foundations and that footwork before, obviously before you do things like that, because you know, that's where the injuries come in. Like I said, I've wrestled so many people over my career who couldn't do a fucking, you know, springboard moonsault, but they, you can't rest them and they can't fucking stand still and their footwork can't be Right and they're putting all their legs in like in your way and they're fucking trying to trip you up when you're trying to, when you've got in mean, a top wrist lock or you know they accidentally or they're moving so much that they're moving you and fucking you don't want to move you want to stay still you want people you want to sell the whole you want people to work the whole sorry you want people to fucking see it so, you know, that, that's another thing with resting the footwork is so important and keeping your, yeah, and this is where we're going back to the bulldog, keeping like control of your own weight whilst you're doing the move um, for the safety of the person who's taking it. Because you can't be fucking leaning on their neck, pointing your fucking um, elbow, going into the fucking, you know, back of their spine. Could be, that could be a serious injury. Or grabbing all of their head too tight. So when they take their face bump, you're yanking their head back and and the move can't be, you know, executed properly. You know, you're yanking your head back and snapping their fucking head. Like something simple and can be simple. It should be simple, but you can still get it wrong, right?
0: Yeah, most definitely. Uh, it, I've pulled off a few Bulldogs as as PVC, and I quite enjoy it as a move. I think it's a it's a nice kind of transitionary move, especially if you do something in the corner. If you've got a little sort of flurry of offense in the corner, you might go in for a, a running sort of forearm strike and while you there, you can kind of, you know, get them in that headlock position. And then, you know, you have a little bit of time to sell and then you just kind of run out to the middle of the ring. You know, give them the old Bulldog. You do a sort of a, a seated out bump. They take a nice front bump. And then, you know, if, if they're kind enough to do so, they might take the front bump and then roll over onto their back automatically you can get a nice kind of quick pinfall so I think that's a that's a nice move to do and again yeah you don't need to like I think people get the idea like you've got them in the headlock and they see that as your as you're in the corner and you're both stationary, you've got the headlock on and you can do whatever you want. There, you can have it in, you know, locked in as tight as you want in, you know, in the normal headlock fashion. But I think as soon as you start running, there's no real need to kind of keep it locked on and as rigid as as you need to be to kind of then do the run and the jump and then put their their head into the mat. Because like people aren't going to be like, oh, he's loosened his grip there as he was running. Why didn't you keep the grip? But you'd be like, no. They've seen that you've got the head, you've established that, and now you're going to do the run, the jump, and I think yeah, people are going to not not focus on you having sort of the tightest grip for the bulldog and for me the the way I sometimes do I'll, I'll maybe even switch between a, a headlock bulldog or I'll even do the uh, so Jericho used to do a bulldog back in the day and it was almost like a kind of you put your palm on the back of the head and then kind of do a run and jump and almost like I guess like slam dunk their head into the mat and yeah for, like a face mask yeah and for yeah. me that's like even like more
1: yeah rock. even more but kind of
0: safer because you know you just kind of grab the back of the head and they're they're going to come with you because you're sort of like pushing in the right direction you do a little jump and all they have to do is either just pancake out or they do a sort of a jump in front bump and t- for me that's like the the safest way to do it and i've, I've seen you do uh, a bulldog quite a few times especially on a on a larger opponent uh say for instance like bulk uh you've done that a few times haven't you jim
1: yeah yeah I, i've done the bulldog i like the bulldog i think the thing about the bulldog is it's um Obviously, it's a move that you do either at, at the sort of comeback point of a wrestling or maybe if you've got a little bit of uh, a flurry of offense at the, at the start, mate, I think you could probably get away with doing it at the start. But, you know, it, it's probably sort of something you're going to be doing at the end of the match, maybe you get a falsie. So when you do the bulldog, if you do it from the sort of headlock position, you, you've never got your opponent in the headlock. Like, you're not doing it from a headlock. You would never do a headlock and do a bulldog, would you? It wouldn't make sense. Comes fucking out of nowhere. You'd maybe sense that you'd maybe fucking fighting out of, of something, fucking back them up into the corner, give them a few fucking strikes, a few punches, a few kicks, you know, and then just fucking grab the head, run, and do it. Uh, yeah, I did used to do it. But I used to do the Sting face smash on onto the knees um, rather than go onto my ass with it. Because I like Sting and I like, I just thought the way he did things was cool. So, but yeah, there's loads of variations and ways you can do it, and they're all they're all very safe. Jericho when he used to do a bulldog used to go on his back, you know, and fucking, you know, the guy would take the bump. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a it's a it's a good move. It's a safe move. When my knee was fucked, I used to do a lot of tags. Um, I used to do a lot of uh, double bulldogs, a lot of double face smashes to to my opponents during my during the shine, because and then we would fucking sort of end up going to the finish. And I, I just can't remember how I used to set up for it, but still, it, it was uh, yeah, it was a nice move that worked and and uh, and got a pop. And if if someone took it well, you know, it's not a case of just taking the front bump. It's a case of how, how you're selling your face, how you're selling things afterwards. Because, again, a, bull, a bulldog is going to be your face hitting the mat. And if the person selling it isn't selling it like that, it's uh, it's very difficult to, uh, to, to to get any sort of, uh, like you say, sympathy out of it. Because that's another thing that, that, that I think a lot of wrestlers get wrong is they sell the wrong body part for the move. I mean, even, even, even something as simple as a clothesline, you know, I know they're taking a back bump from it. The reason they're taking a back bump from it is because someone's fucking whacked them so hard in the chest that, you know, that it's taken off their feet. Now that's obviously fucking hurt, but when they're feeding up for it, they shouldn't be fucking holding their back. They should be holding their chest because their chest is the thing that's just been fucking hit so hard that it's taken them off, 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 off their feet. You know, and the amount of wrestlers that make the mistake of selling their back for absolutely everything, when really that's not what's taken them off their feet. If someone gives you like a massive drop kick, for example, fucking hits you, hits you in the head, or hits you in the chest, when you fucking get up from that move, when you feed up from it, you know, you, you should be selling your fucking back. You've just been. Some well, some bastards just jumped up as high as they can and fucking booted you in the chest. You know you should be should be sending me in the chest. That's the point of impact. That's the last point of impact.
0: Well, I think it's it's sort of almost like kind of. Um... It's sort of been like kind of ingrained into your brain because obviously when you're training to be a wrestler, you first learn how to take a bump, and you know you might kind of have somebody sort of squat down and then roll backwards, you know, flail out their arms and hit the mat, and then that'll be sort of the the beginnings of a front uh, of a of a back bump, sorry. And then as you kind of progress as you go along, somebody might do a bigger one and a bigger one, and then you'll then you'll kind of go right, okay, you've just taken a back bump, and then you've got up and you've just sort of looked like you're you know perfectly fine. It's like you've just hit. The mat. You've slammed your back on the on the mat. You ne- You now need to sell, and that's a, that's the a thing. Obviously, you can tell new trainees to kind of older trainees when somebody goes into the ring they hit a bump and then they get back up and they sort of look at you like was, was, was that good and you'd be like well, yeah it was but like I didn't really feel what was happening afterwards but then you might see somebody like a furia or a jackhammer or a jaden scar they'll get in they'll do a big jump they'll hit the mat and then they'll come up selling their back as if they'd just been sort of whiplashed to the to the canvas and that's the thing that's hurting their back and I think so many people have that ingrained and I'm sure I've done it many a time where it's a case of like all right in my mind, I've gone back bump, sell back, forgetting that I've just been drop kicked in the face or just been clotheslined, back elbowed or or, yeah, or anything like that. I think it's just that natural instinct of like, bam, my back's hit the mat. I need to now get up and sell because, yeah, I want to sell something. At least I'm selling something. But I think my mind goes, you landed on your back, sell the back. Whereas, yeah, you need to be <laughs> worrying about other things that you've just had put in your face.
1: Yeah, someone's just someone's just elbowed you in the fucking face to take you down. Like your face is, is hurting as well, you know. But I can understand if someone picks you up and gives you a body slam, come up and sell your back. Do you know what I mean? You set up and hold your back and go ah, because someone's fucking picked you up and thrown you on your back. Your back's the, the back. Your back is the point, the initial point of contact. So you know it's 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 gonna fucking is is it's that that's a bit that that's sort of totally taking you out. Same if someone, if someone gives you a power bump or fucking, you know, whatever. You know, that that's the initial point of contact. That's the same thing with a front bump and things like that. You know, if that's the initial point of contact, a front bump should normally be set in the face, you know, unless someone has, has, taken, has taken out your leg or something like that and you've front bumped it that way. You know, you just use your just use your brain. You just, you, you you have to use common sense really for that one. You have to use common sense for how you, how you sell things. Um, you know, and and you also use, have to use common sense for how you bump things. You know, I mean, if, um, if someone comes up to me and fucking, you know, gives me a fucking like European uppercut or gives me or nuts, you know, gives me a big headbutt or punches me. I'm not going to necessarily fucking take a snapback bump from it because, to me, that's not realistic. I'm gonna fucking sell my head and stagger around and try and hold myself up on the ropes or whatever, then I'll feed into them, and then they can give me another dig and then I can feed into them again and then they can give me a slam, in which case the you know, the the back is taking a bit of a bit of a beat in there. But selling really is is the sort of true art of wrestling to get your sympathy and also for heels to get their heat. So you can put as much thought into it as you like until it drives you insane. But um, selling is obviously art. It is the art for a baby face of getting the crowd to fucking you know not to feel sorry for you, but to to get them into a position where they where they want to see you come back to get get sympathy. To be honest with you, when you do come back, but the heel gets there just hurts To be honest with you, it doesn't really make it doesn't really matter what you do to him, like. You know, you can line them, you can body drop back, body drop them, you can do whatever, and how they sell it isn't hugely important as long as it's over-exaggerated, you know. Uh, As I've said before, babyface is selling, is more realistic, even though it's still over the top, it's more realistic than heel selling because people have waited for fucking ages for that heel to get his just desserts. So when he does, the crowd want to really, really, really know what he's feeling at the time, and it needs to be more exaggerated so the the, the crowd can be like, you know, fucking yes, ah, ah fuck it, you know, he's getting smashed about. Um, but the baby face is selling is 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 more for sympathy. Not saying that you don't need to, you know, go over the top and pull the facials and you know, fucking like look at the crowd as if to say, please help me, I'm fucked here. Do you know what I mean? Like, you, of course, you need to do that. But when, but when the heel gets his justice, hurts, you know. Or say you give a heel like a fucking atomic drop or whatever. He needs to have the biggest fucking like after you giving him an atomic drop. His eyes need to be popping out of his head, and him holding his balls and fucking nearly in, in tears. And then you come back from the uh, the the atomic drop, and then you fucking. Give him a clothesline where she needs to feed up and stagger around from. Then you give him a big post in. Maybe you give him one of your bulldogs and he comes up and he fucking holds his face and staggers around again. And fucking then, then you give him a fucking side suplex or something like that. You know, which quiets it down because you need to give him a pin. But the selling needs to be more exaggerated. You know, whereas fucking like. If you were to give uh, a baby face an atomic drop, say, say a baby face was selling for you and selling for you, but then you got a bit of a comeback and didn't come to anything, just a little hope spot, then you get atomic drop as, as the as baby face. You know, you sell, sell, look at the crowd, hold your balls and just collapse. Do you know what I mean? Rather than the, the heel who would be, as soon as he took it, would be fucking running around the ring, holding his plums with his eyes fucking sticking out of his head. you know, that's the difference, you know,
0: because wrestling's not kind of a one size fits all kind of affair. It really, is it? Because if you think about the things you've just described there, they've all come at different points in the match and they're done by different people. So like, it's hard for you to say, like, you couldn't give a generic way on how somebody should sell. Because if a person listening to this podcast is, you know, six foot six and 300 pounds, they're going to sell differently to somebody that's, you know, five foot, 100 pounds dripping wet. They're going to sell in much different ways and they're going to come back in different ways. And the smaller person might have to give a little bit more for the selling, but whereas the bigger person might kind of, you know, like a a Brock Lesnar type sell where they're not quite like, you know, screaming, ah, they're hurting me. They're more just like, oh, you know, kind of, you know, maybe wincing in the corner or like holding a body part or like, you know, kind of those types of things. So I think you have to, you have to know what your character would do or you as a wrestler, you have to know where they're coming in the match. If it's, you know, if what you were describing there is, you know, kind of a back elbow, clothesline, and then duck a line, you give them a, a, an atomic drop. If that's at the start of the match, the selling is going to be so much more different than it would be if that was the, the babyface's comeback, you know, clothesline, back elbow, atomic drop, and then they go to the corner, forearm, bulldog, up for a big, you know, kind of false... False finish. There's going to be such different selling and such different storytelling in that moment than there was earlier on. I think that's where where people kind of develop in wrestling. They they might kind of think, oh, I've got this wrestling thing down. I know what I know what to do at this point. I know what to do at this point. You know, I, I can sell in this way. But like you, you don't really get it until you know what to do instinctively at that point. Like there are things you can plan in the back, but there are things you can't you can't account for when you're in the ring, like how the crowd is going to react to a certain sell. If, you, if you're if you kind of overselling, they might laugh at you. If you're kind of like really getting good sympathy and it's really, really working, you might want to sort of switch things up a little bit or, you know, you just have to kind of react to to, to that moment and what's being done. And you can't always think too far ahead because a lot of people do that. You might be thinking, oh, it's, it's backline, clothesline, then atomic drop. But you might be thinking what's coming after that, you take the clothesline, you get up. You take the back elbow, you get up. You don't sell anything. You take the atomic drop. You might, you know, grab grab your balls, but then you're thinking, "Oh, okay, what's coming up next is 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 the clothesline in the corner, the bulldog." You forgot to sell the three moves preceding that because you're too busy thinking about something else, and you got to think of each individual component.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's a rookie error, and you're right. You're 100 right. I mean, the, I, I I was just talking of an example of a, of a comeback between maybe two guys who are roughly the same size you know or, or whatever yeah but obviously if you're resting a giant it's going to be it's going to be totally different but you know and, and you would have to you would have to sort of think of you'd have to be clever with, with the way that you were that, that you came back if you came back at all I mean if you're resting a dude who's seven foot unfortunately you're probably just going to be fodder for that person do you know what I mean until, they, until, they, until someone comes in who, who maybe looks like they can beat him. because if I have someone who's 7 foot who walks in a falling and starts wrestling and looks half decent you know he's he's going to be killing everyone like you know as simple as that no one's getting a comeback on that fucker you know maybe one day someone eventually will but not for a while but I'm just talking about sort of a normal, normal standard wrestling match but yeah you're right like yeah, what? Well, well, I think I think a good point that you made there is like the selling that you that you that you have at the start and the way you move and the general speed of the match is going to be much faster and people are going to have a lot more energy and a lot more fucking you know pep in their step because it's the start. You know, we're athletes; we shouldn't be fucking tired at the start. We should fucking go in there, you know, maybe test each other out, blah, blah, blah. And our sort of, a lot of the rope running and fucking, you know, bouncing up and down and doing, you know, all the fucking cool shit or whatever, Um, you know, probably should come more at the start because you've got more energy to do it. Whereas at the end, you're fucked up and a lot of the moves that you're doing are desperation moves, you know. Um, that's That's why nowadays I tend not to do the, the big fiery huge comebacks because I think that they're unrealistic and I think that if I've had the fuck kicked out of me um, and someone's worked me over and worked me over, um I'll 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 hit them with I'll hit them with some fucking moves and we'll do some trades, trade-offs and stuff like that. But um say someone's been working my fucking back for the whole match. I ain't going to be running the fucking ropes anymore like d- during my comeback I'm going to be I'm going to have to think clever and think around it and you know pull put it off some other way so I tend to do a lot more sort of you know, double downs of full and full and and drama, cruel to your opponent, get, get your hand over one, two, kick out bollocks. What are we going to do? Slowly come up and fucking work into the next the next spot rather than, you know, bash, 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 fucking, you know. And then after a beat down where someone's had the fuck kicked out of them, then all of a sudden they've got the same amount of energy that they did at the start. But I still believe, obviously because it, it, it works and the crowd enjoy it. I still believe, obviously, that at the end of a match, the babyface can have that sort of like, you know, that decent quick comeback. But they need to show in their body language that they're giving it everything they've got. If they fuck this up, then they're probably going to lose because they have not got anything left in their petrol tank. This is, they're on, totally on reserves now. So the intensity in their face needs to be so much more than than at the start. Do you know what I mean? Like for example, and I've done it. I've done it before um, with 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 certain moves. Like I do the fall away slam. Right, I tend to do it um, at the beginning of a match because uh, because that's when I'd have the energy to do it. If this was real, the once or twice I have done it at the end. I fucking, when I've caught them, you know, facially looked like fucking hell that these motherfuckers are heavy. I'm going to drop him. And then I've just fucking looked around at the crowd, exhausted, but also trying to get them G'd up to, for me to be able to do it. Because I've caught them. It's a move they know I do. It's a, you know, It's a move they recognize. And again, it's one of my favorite moves. So I'll stick that on the list at the start of the match if I do it. um, And I catch them and I'm fucking all G'd up and fired up. It's like, yeah, let's go. shall I do it? But if it's fucking at the end of the match, it's the crowd that are making me do it because I ain't got the energy to do this, but the crowd are giving me the energy to do it. Um, and I'll fucking do it um, but I ain't going to be getting up quick from it do you know what I mean it's not like when I do it at the start I go I fucking do it get up and then fucking call for the cut off for a finish which inevitably ends in a cut off or something like that it's like I've done it but I it took every ounce of, of everything I had to do it and I need to try and get a bit of a bit more back now to, to be able to go for the cover or, or, or finish him off. Um, so you get what I mean. Just a change of just the ch- just a change of, of, of how I would perform that move. Um, it's the same. It's it's also the same when I do the German suplex. If I do the German suplex at the beginning, people are often quite like one more time. One. And if you know if you notice this, like in my matches, it might be something to fucking uh, watch out for. Like when I do it at the start of my matches. They'll often chant one more time, one more time. And I might do two or three because I've got the energy to do it. But when I do it like as a desperation move at the end of the match, no one ever chants one more time because they know it's a falsy and they know that they, it's also like I, I wouldn't be able to do it anymore. I wouldn't be able to do it. It was pure skill and maybe a bit of luck. I managed to catch him and the crowd helped me with everything. I always make sure that you know, I, I, give the, I give the impression that the crowd are uh, helping me anyway. Fucking boom, hit the move. Where do we go from there? There's no one more time shout because they know I can't do it one more time because of the way I sell. I could do it one more time. I could do it 10 more times. I'm, I feel fine. The impression, the selling is, is so important. Like I've just caught him with it. Where do we go from fucking here? And that's, I think that's, a, that's the way I, I, I've started to to put my matches together. And I don't want everyone else to do it because it fucking changes the whole dynamic of the show. But um, I, I tend to slow things down at the end because psychology-wise, that makes more sense to me. But I'll put the cooler moves in at the end because obviously I want to give the crowd something to cheer for, look at, and pop to. I don't want to be fucking running around and like nothing ever happened, because that just pisses on the fucking last sort of ten minutes of the match. I need to, I need, I need to put this motherfucker away, and I need to do it somehow out of out of desperation and also just fucking just pure yeah yeah just pure determination. That's where the cutter comes in, and and I know the cutter's a finishing move, but I love the cutter. I love the fucking car. I love the way Orton does it. I love the way uh, DDP does it. Um I like the car because it 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 can be a desperation move that comes out of nowhere. Um or it can just be fucking done in a really cool way um where you know I've I've had people jump off the top and I've caught them and all that sort of shit. It can be done in a really fucking cool way and it can be done from anywhere, which is important important for a finisher. But I, I, that's why I've done it for so long. I fucking love it. It hurts me more than it hurts the opponent. I don't know why I do it, but it 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 just again because it can come out of nowhere and you can do it out of desperation. It works in the sense that I can I can catch a pimple on someone that I shouldn't be able to beat because I have hit them with a car. Some people have kicked out of it. Quite a few people have kicked out of it now. The crowd don't know that, and it get, and, and it makes it such an exciting pin and potential false finish or whatever one of my favorite if not my favorite move in the fucking job i think
0: yeah i think it's all about kind of picking your move set that suits you like for instance for me when i kind of was developing a character or developing a move set i would always kind of pick moves that i thought were kind of interesting or looked cool or might have looked vicious or hopefully fit fit the character but then as I kind of started progressing in in the wrestling business and and you know having more matches and knowing what should come where and when and how, I think you can then be a bit more smarter with with your kind of I guess move set and stuff like that. And you were saying there with the with the fallaway slam. It's a move that you can do almost anywhere in the match, but it's going to change depending on when you do it as to how well you execute that move. So for me, I always kind of pick moves that I could probably do, you know, at, as as good at the start of the match and as good at the end of the match in sort of, I guess, in like non kfabe turns, like I could execute perfectly so it doesn't look shoddy or sloppy but if i wanted to i could kind of put the the strain on it or whatever but like for me and i also want to pick moves that i could possibly do on almost every wrestler as well because i feel like if if you're a small if you're a smaller guy and you're doing moves that always require you to either sort of lift somebody up or slam somebody and you can't do it to everyone you probably shouldn't really be doing that move and i think that's the the beauty of the of the car the rko the the whatever you you want to call it like you can do that on Anybody, tall, short, skinny, fat, male, female, you know, able-bodied, non-able-bodied, a fan, you could do it on a pet, you could do it on a broom, you could do it on yourself, like, you can literally do that move and it can look well it can look as, as effective as you want it to or as, as the person taking it and it can look really really good so that's kind of the reason that i i picked sort of the, the code breaker because it's a move that i can do on pretty much anybody from any kind of situation it doesn't doesn't require if i'm wrestling you i can do it on you if i'm wrestling jack i can do it on jack if i'm wrestling Fura, i can do it on Fura. i can do it on cw davis and if i wanted to i could do it on bulk i can do it on almost every wrestler because it all it does is it involves me kind of jumping up grabbing around the head and And... and Putting my knees into their chest and falling backwards and having them fall on top of me. Now, would I want to do it to bulk? Probably not, because in theory, what I'm doing is I'm pulling somebody else's weight on top of my knees to then drive them into their chest. But bulk is obviously a lot bigger than me, so in kind of uh, yeah, in, in wrestling psychology terms, I'm not going to do that because if he falls on me, I'm probably going to be the worse off than that. But for you, like the cut, if you hit the cut on bulk, you both come down, you land on your back, he lands on his front. His in theory face smashes into into the canvas. And then you roll them over for the one, two, three. And I think that's an important thing for other wrestlers out there is to pick moves they know they can do at the start of the match and execute them perfectly. Or if you've had a 20-minute Broadway and you're you're gassed, can you still do that same move with that kind of incredible accuracy? So for me, I can do the Codebreaker. You know, if I've had a 20-minute match, 30-minute match, 40-minute match, I could probably... Have enough gusto and energy to to grab the opponent around the, the back of the head and put then put my knees into their chest and sort of do that final desperation move. So I think that's a really important thing that you were saying there.
1: Mike could take the Cobra breaker because when I have to modify my um, car, Mike can't really fall on his stomach, but say he sort of falls on his side and on his back. So if I did a car on him, it would look more like a neck breaker. Um, so, um, you know, he's, he's still athletic for him to be able to, to fall on his side and on his back, but it just doesn't work with the, with, with the car because it's not how the car goes. Um, I tend to end up doing a stunner on him. So he, uh, he leans forward and, you know, we, we work, we'll work out something from there. I think the way he leans forward for the stunner and, and, and for the way I try and do the car on him he'd be able to take the cobra, no problem. You know, Mike's very in control of his of his body. He he he's never Mike Mike has never lent on me or hurt me once um through um lack of lack of balance or lack of anything else. I mean sometimes that role hurts but you know it's gonna um Mike's me and Mike have hurt each other because We've done stupid shit to each other. We hit each other with things and fucking, you know, done hardcore things and thrown each other through things. And I cut him through a table once and that went, that went well, actually. And he, he took that pretty, pretty good. And, um, the, the, the hurt comes from, you know, the things you, you expect, um, and obviously the, the, the barbed wire stuff and the, and the, and the blood and all that sort of shit that, that, you know, that, that comes from just, this is the match, uh, I'm sorry in advance type thing, but if it if we've just done a, a single normal tag match or um, him you know him and his brother or whatever or him and Calm when when his brother's knees were healing and Joe as well like you know um, it's always been Mike's never ever um, fucking hurt me or fucked up because um, because he hasn't got control of his balance like. He's, he, he knows very very much what he can do with 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 his body and um he, you know for, for I mean for his size he can do he can do a lot of shit you know he can do a lot of shit going back to the the code breaker it's all it's a bit like the car you're taking more of the impact than anyone else well if I, I've taken the code breaker before I just fall forward and then as soon as as soon as the you, you release me after you've hit it, I'll fucking just collapse on the floor and then, you know, you'll pin me or, or whatever way it goes. Like, you know, I think actually, um, when we did the, uh, when we wrestled our match, we were, I was doing the spot where we were doing the, um, the three double double axe handle spots where I hit you with during the heat, I hit you with two at some point, do you know what I mean? It's not, not in a row, but I beat you up, I beat. I hit you with a double axe handle, beat you up a bit, hit you with a double axe handle, and then you you came back in some way. I think I just cut you off just so I could get to the second rope to do the double axe handle, but you caught me with the code breaker. And uh, I think it went quite nice, actually, just, just easy. Just fucking, I just jumped into it like I was just, you know, like I jumped off the second rope. Just jumped into it and you caught me.
0: If I remember correctly, that was a that was a falsy, wasn't it? I think that was because I was beaten up so badly. I hit you with it out of nowhere, and then we were both kind of lying down for probably like sort of a four or five count. Then I managed to come over, drape the armour, and I think you kicked out. And at that point, I think I hit a few moves on you, maybe like a TKO. But then you got the upper hand, and you went to get the chair. And as you came in with the chair, you had the chair against your chest. That's when I jumped up and co- breakered the chair into your chest. and That's when I think. Uh, uh, oh yeah, on the, on yeah. The, that the, well. from, from that. Yeah, yeah that
1: was good that was fucking good actually and I remember the TKO I took mm. that that went well as well and um, yeah because I mean I'm not the am not the smallest gentleman you got me up on the shoulders and that went that was good and again that's a sort of a similar it ends up similar to the car so that's that's cool because I I, I I never mind I've had it before I never mind people finishing me with my own move because I think that's the ultimate insult do you know what I mean? Especially if you're a heel. Um, as a baby face, I wouldn't have it because it just, it's, 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 it's bullshit. It brings you down. But when I was heel, I was, people were covering me left, right and center. And, um, but yeah, we did do the, the, the the code breaker with the, with the chair. And uh, yeah, it was, I think, I think that match was a really good match, actually. And I don't think anything, anything went wrong, but we, we, we slowed it up at the end and fucking uh, you know, got got a bit of shit, and I might have even fucking cut you. You might have even kicked out. I can't remember. And again, to the fans out there, it's really safe. Like it's really safe. There's no there's no way that we're going to hurt each other. A because we know what we're doing, and B because it's it's a simple, it's a really simple move to take. It was just a case of me falling forward, making sure that you know I had hold. I had my hand wrapped round Shawnee's leg, so the chair was wasn't going to go anywhere it wasn't going to sort of like slap against my face or fucking crack Shawnee's knees or whatever it was totally secure against our body and then uh, and then yeah bang just fucking just came just hit it and you know jobs are good it's weird it'd be interesting to find out what, what the wrestling fans think looks difficult and thinks that because I'll tell you what it is fucking difficult and people don't do right Especially people outside of Falling Star Wrestling. So please, whoever's outside of Fallen Star Wrestling, come to Fallen Star Wrestling to one of our training sessions and learn how to fucking do them. Because uh no one really does them that fucking well or safely. I mean, to be being stiff isn't fucking being a pro. Being stiff is being a cunt. Um and it's and, it, and it's not uh it's not what wrestling is about. We're we're here to fucking entertain. We're not here to murder each other. And that's just genuine strikes like clotheslines and fucking European uppercuts. And the amount of people that can't do a European uppercut or fucking, you know, or or a decent forearm to the back or just decent elbows to the head or a punch, just a punch, you know, fucking all, all those sorts of things, you know, and obviously, there's loads and loads of different strikes or, or kicks. People can't kick. If they do kick, they fucking actually kick you. Or they fucking, you know, they, they kick you in the bollocks. Or they just fuck, or when they stomp you, their, their stomps look so shy. It, it's, it's just, it, it's, it's fucking terrible. Please, everyone out there, come to Hall & Star Wrestling and, and learn how to do strikes. Obviously, there's a few schools out there who, who are, you know, very good. Got some amazing teachers who can teach them how to do that stuff. But you know, there's a lot. There's a lot of people out there who can't throw a fucking strike for love nor money, and they're so important to piece the match together. And they're so important for heels as well, so so that they don't have to constantly kill that fucking babyface with moves and stuff like that. Strikes are so important, but people don't do them safely. And people just hit each other hard, and it's not the way to go. You know, when when people you, like give forearms on the back, they'll fucking just use the, the their their fist and the, a little bit of their forearm, and then the person will take a bump. Like, fuck that! Do you know what I mean? Like with a forearm, you, a, back, a forearm to the back, you should be using your whole fucking arm, all of it, and getting that nice little slap, but still keeping it nice and safe. When you give giving someone a clothesline, it's almost like a check, but with your arm out in like a fucking L position, so that you're hitting someone in the tits, you're not hitting them in the throat, you're not hitting them in the bread basket. So you wind them. You can give them a little bit of a larapin, still not hurt them. And they'll feel it and they'll be able to take it. It's it's, it's so there's so many people who can't who can't punch. All they do those little fucking shitty punches where they just sort of bring that hand back a little bit and stomp and like, you know, and, 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 and tap them on the forehead. It's like fucking hell, man, that wouldn't break a twig, you know. Rear right back and fucking get your facials going. Look at your fist. It's fucking you're, you, you're going to give this motherfucker a real fucking smack and then just bang, hit him, you know. You don't have to go for the Austin fucking boom, 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 boom. You can just go for one really good fucking strike and people will remember that, especially as a heel, then pick them up again and bang their head off the fucking turnbuckle and give them a few good kicks and choke them a little bit. Like, you know, there's there's people just can't seem to deliver the strikes. They can jump off the top rope and then catch someone in a hurricane rana and do that, that's fine, but they can't fucking strike and that's the that, that that's a big problem I see in a lot of wrestling.
0: It is really weird because, yeah, from a fan's perspective, you might think a move like, I don't know, like you said, uh, a 450 splash is definitely a hard move to do. But, like, that's only a move that sort of select people can do. So, like, it's not as if everyone's going to pull off that move. But, like, for instance, like a, a scoop slam, or a body slam or whatever you want to call it, Like, if, if done well, is a good move that sort of everyone can do. And a punch or a forearm or a, an uppercut, like you said, is such a basic move that I think people kind of gloss over it and they don't really pay enough attention to it. And it's it's those very, very basic fundamentals that just go out the window when you're doing a match. Like people focus so much on, you might be in the back planning a match and you're like, oh, I'm going to do this move and then we're going to with that move. But then you forget about, oh, I'm going to hit you with a clothesline. If it's like, oh, I'd hit you with the best body slam, then You come up and then I'm gonna hit you with a with a suplex and it's gonna look amazing. But then you do like a really janky Clothesline, or you you don't hit them right, or it just doesn't look impactful. It's like you've just ruined all of your momentum. Like, and we were talking about earlier for like comebacks and stuff like that. Like for a babyface that's just been beaten to be like you know beaten, downtrodden, and, and ready to come back. They're getting that urge. They're you know they're hulking up and they want to hit somebody with a big clothesline. And it just looks a bit janky, or you don't hit it quite properly, or your your arms not in the right position, or your you, you, your arms locked out rather than in that kind of L shape throwing a baseball type thing, like it just ruins everything because you're like, well, you deserve to get beaten up if you're just going to throw weak ass kind of close lines like that. And it's like, yes, you do have to make contact in wrestling, but like you said, you don't need to take people's heads off. And I think most people kind of lie within two of those camps. Either you can throw a punch, but you're going to potato somebody in the head or you're going to throw a punch and it just looks like you have completely missed them. And I think it's that fine balance that it's very hard to do. And I'm not saying it's easy, and I'm not saying that I've mastered the art. I'm not very good at punching, so I don't do punches a lot. If I'm going to do any strikes, it's going to be like forearm smashes. I might do the odd European uppercut. I think I've got a fairly decent clothesline, a decent drop kick, and a good back elbow. So I stick to those things. And if I'm a heel, I can do the you know the forearm to the back pretty well, because obviously you, you've taught us how to do that, and it's all about kind of getting the the biggest area of contact, you know, your kind of side and breast and arm and forearm all hitting their big, nice, juicy back rather than just kind of slapping them on the back and getting that good connection and making sure it looks right. And it's, it's those sort of tiny, minute, fundamental details that do go out of the do go out of the window when you're sort of planning a match because you just think it's all about you know this podcast is about moves but a punch is a wrestling move a forearm is a wrestling move a slap is a wrestling move you know a headbutt is a wrestling move and these are moves that people can get over with like if you think of like big monster heels and stuff. They don't do flashy big moves. They might just do a long beatdown that consists of like three headbutts and a choke. But like, because they're so imposing and because they do those particular moves very well, you believe that they're a, you know, a badass MF not just like, oh, they did three janky headbutts and now they're choking them. That doesn't get you over as a good heel. But if you did big monster giant, you know, you grab them by the hair, you reel back with your head and then you you headbutt them and then they take a nice bump or they they sell really well for it that can be much more effective than three really shoddy punches and then send them off and give them a really crappy clothesline because that just kind of like ruins the business you'd rather see one really good crisp clean safe punch than 10 rapid fire punches that some of them hit some of them miss you know, one breaks a nose and then one completely misses because you're going to be like, "Well, that guy's unsafe and has made you know sort of exposed the wrestling business." So it's important, right? <laughs> it's,
1: it's, it's not exactly, and it's important for it's, it's it's important for for baby faces as well because you know if if you if if you watch any of my matches, like at, at the start, you know, I might do a bit of wrestling, we'll do a few fucking, you know, I'll, I'll do a few bits and bobs. But a lot, a lot of my um, what do you call it? A lot of my start um, starts aren't called. I'll 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 say you know, don't do anything. Let me just fucking take over. If I call something, um, you know, just to cut it off for a little bit and speed it up, then you know, because what what I tend to fucking do is I tend to go in there, do a bit of, do a bit of wrestling or not. It depends on the crowd when I see it. Um, and then I'll beat my opponent up with strikes. I tend to do the strike where, you know, uh, sort of bend someone over a little bit, and rather than, I don't give them a forearm to the back, I sort of give them what looks like an elbow to the head, but actually you just put your armpit over their neck. Do you know what I mean? That can look fucking devastating if you do that, right? And if the heel's selling it and the crowd are loving it, do you know what I mean? You can get so much time out of that. If I fucking do that, I tend to fucking just stand there and, and say, look at, you know, as if to say, look at this guy, do you know what I mean? I'm fucking Jimmy Starr And who's this guy, you know? And then the, ch- the crowd will chant, you know, who are you? Are you, you're all that sort of shit. And then I'll pick them up and I'll fucking give them a head. Now, when I give someone a headbutt, I don't touch them. I put a fucking, I put a diamond shape on the top of their head. I fucking nut them. Um, I give it the biggest nut in the world, but I nut my hands they don't feel it. They If they sell it right, I'll then sell my own head because you do, you would do after you fucking just hit someone. That normally gets a little bit of a laugh, which is what I'm sort of after. Um, and then what I'll tend to do is, is after a few fucking slaps and bits and bobs and whatever, is um, I'll tend to, this is the, the only bit that we planned. I'll say, right, rape my eyes or something or cheat or do something just do something um and then fucking send me into the ropes i'll i'll reverse it double ducks fall away slam um get you know one two i'll go for the car as i go for the car push me off i turn around and then hit me with whatever you want to hit me with like what do you want to hit me with what's this is your bit here what do you want to do because this is where the this is where the the beat down comes in but I've, I've already done about sort of fucking six or seven minutes of shine. Do you know what I mean? Just by punching them about and giving them good and slapping them about. And so I'll, I'd sometimes a punch, sometimes I do big forearms sometimes. I, it, it just depends. I'm, I'm not too bad at strikes. The one thing, and the one thing that I find not in falling star rested because I've to, told you all in fucking training is when you give people like European uppercuts or you try and punch them in the gut or, you try and punch them in the chest, or you do do some whatever. Is when they just fucking cover up with their arms, like, and you just end up fucking hurting yourself. So, as you doing a European uppercut, you fucking hurt yourself, and they because they put their arms in the way, and you end up just fucking putting your forearms in their elbows. You know what I mean? Because they 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 they're, they're covering up out of nerves. Like I understand covering up if someone's fucking, you know, if you've tackled someone down and you're trying to punch them in the head and it's like you're making it look realistic, like like MMA or whatever, that all fucking sort of makes sense. But when you want to actually fucking hit your strike and someone covers up and you just end up like fucking smashing your arm on their fucking elbows, there's, there's nothing worse. There's nothing worse than someone new. When you send them in and you got to really put your clothesline in to fucking take them down just to make sure they're new, you need to take them down. So you need to put that clothesline in and you send them in and they fucking put their hands up and you end up just clunking their fucking hands and it hurts. It hurts you like it hurts the person doing it so fucking much have you ever experienced that where they just put their fucking hands up and you and you end up just smashing your. it's really shit for me because i broke my fucking arm and I, my arm is like my my right arm as well which is obviously what i used to throw my strikes with so if i fucking if someone hits that hits that part of my arm that that's broke it really does fucking hurt like you know I've got metal in there. It's all fucked up. It's, I don't know. I don't, I, I'd hate to have another x-ray on it. I think it, it'd all be in bits now. If, and that, it raises my temper and I'm like, nope, calm down. Then you, They don't mean to do it. Fuck you. But have you ever had that where people just fucking protect themselves and end up hurting you
0: yeah unfortunately i've been on both sides of that so obviously in an early kind of training when we're going to be like oh we're going to work on clotheslines and you haven't really taken it you know you might have learned how to take a back bump but the idea of like running and then taking the back bump or like running basically into somebody and taking a back bump is kind of a scary thing And you know we all have to kind of overcome that fear but yeah i've been on both sides where i might Be a little less or a bit more apprehensive about taking it, and then I'll run in and I'll put my hands up. But that hurts more than just taking a regular clothesline. So, like in you kind of being sent off, hitting the ropes, and then coming back, and you know maybe either turning slightly or putting your arms up, like you're a gonna hurt yourself, and you're gonna hurt the person giving you a clothesline, and then you're gonna take a shit bump after that as well. So it's like a trifecta of like just wrong things that you shouldn't do on a clothesline. Whereas if you do things right, and yeah, it's a little bit like facing your fear. You know, you have to run at... A, another person and let them just throw their arms out so there's a little bit of trust as well because all totally
1: unnatural well, I understand that all totally unnatural
0: and you have to trust that they're not going to do you know what we've talked about they're not going to just put their arm out and you have to run into it or they're not going to like clothesline you in the throat or go too low or go too high or you know step through you or trip you up so you know you have to kind of both be uh, comfortable with each other, giving it and taking it, and you know, there's nothing sweeter than a person that knows how to take a clothesline and a person that knows how to give a clothesline because it just looks, it just looks smooth and comfortable, and nobody's hurting themselves. Because the person giving the clothesline has got a nice big canvas to, you know, to to step into and to to you know, we always say sort of throw the baseball. By the side of their ear you're kind of stepping through them and giving them that clothesline you're not just hanging your arm out and waiting for them to come into it and the person taking the bump knows that they're just basically just going to run into the other person and the force of you hitting them hopefully they've got a good base you're gonna hit them. You're gonna take a nice sweet back bump, and everybody's gonna be, you know, nice and dandy. We're both gonna get up and, you know, maybe shake on it and be like, "That was a good clothesline. But it's the apprehension on both sides when it's, you know, whether you're new or you're, you know, you're not well trained or you're just not sure of what you want to do or you're you're frightened of getting hurt. That's when you. That's when you get hurt.
1: That's the point, though. And, and this, and that, whatever happens in training, no matter how much you balls up, even if you really hurt someone, that's training, man. We're learning. We're all learning. So, you know, if you put your arms up then and fucking I twat my arm and it hurts and you twat your elbow and it hurts, I'm not going to go fucking insane because I know that it's training and I know that fucking, you know, you, you're learning and, you know, you might do it several fucking hundred times and that's and that's fine and I would never, ever get annoyed with anyone who, who, who did it and I would work out a way to make it work when someone comes down from somewhere or you get booked for a show um, and you go there and you're up against some guy and you throw a clothesline and he does something like that and you just think to yourself, who am I in the fucking ring with? Because by the time you're in the ring, you shouldn't be doing that. That's like, you know, that's pretty basic. not to fucking put your arms up during during a clothesline or, or, or a big strike of some kind you should be able to do that. I mean, that's not that's not too much to ask. Even if you're a newbie, he's gonna have had enough trainings to the to the point where he's gonna have taken a load of clotheslines and we're gonna have fucking really worked hard on our rope running and bumping and timing and, you know, just everything that, that is good about wrestling. And then and then we're gonna go into a ring. We're gonna go into a ring with a veteran and you you know, if you put your arms up then, then fair enough. Maybe nerves, nerves have got the barrier. That's fine. But if I'm going to a show, I've been specifically booked for a show, and I've driven all the way to fucking god knows where, and I'm up against someone who does something like that. That is very annoying. Or they don't know how to post for a body slam, or they don't know how to post for a suplex, or they don't know that you should point your legs to the sky when you do a backbreaker. You know, so you can fucking lift them up easy, you know, everything's hard, everything's hard, you know, wrestling someone, and then, you know, you end up get, getting them through a, a half decent match, because, you know, because you're the pro, and you, you're the one who's fucking, who, who's, who's calling everything and doing whatever you can, and then they'll go back and go, oh, yeah, that was, that was a match, wasn't it, that was this, that was that, and it's like, yeah, it was, but it was because I was fucking babysitting you through it, like, you can't be putting your arms up during your clotheslines. You can't want to give you a European uppercut. I need your chest, man. I don't need your fucking elbows. I'm trying to make us both look good, but you're not helping. And you do know this and you do that. And you, and you find a lot of them don't. You find a lot of people, like I've been to a lot of fucking wrestling promotions and, and wrestle people and they fucking don't know what posting is. And they, and, they, and they don't fucking know what a lot of these things are. They just... You know, and the way they run the ropes is ridiculous or the way they fucking, you know, or they can't do an up and over or they haven't been taught how to do an up and over or, you know, basic things that they haven't been taught. And, um, you know, their footwork is terrible. And, and, And the amount of fucking wrestlers in this country, especially, who don't know about feeding, do you know what I mean? Bumping and feeding to make someone look good. Um, You know, they just don't understand the concept of of, of feeding. It's astronomical. It's got a lot better. But when I was on the circuit, no one knew what fucking feeding was. No one knew what it was. And to be honest with you, it wasn't until I was in America that I knew the importance of it, really. So even though I knew what feeding was and sort of how to do it, it wasn't until I come back from the States that I knew how fucking important that, feeding was and feeding up, you know, pretty quickly. And all, But also feeding up slowly if you at the end of the match, if you had the shit kicked out of you, like I said earlier on, or if you're a big guy who's just been taken down, you can still feed, but you feed real, real, real slowly. And are you going to be taken down again? Who knows? But if you are, again, you just feed up real, 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 real slowly. I was talking to Robbie the other day and I was talking about his feeding he was trying to get up as quick as the fucking smaller guys and I'm like why? Like as long as you feed round and make sure that you're there for your opponent so he can give you another move he can he can kill some time with the crowd or get a fucking bit of a roar in or whatever before you're ready to take the next move like you're you, you know you're a bigger motherfucker than the rest of the guys you know Into in, you know, in terms of your weight and stuff and, and, and you're quite a tall guy When you take your bump, you know, and you feed, it can be quite a lumbering feed, can't it? It doesn't have to be a real quick one because he's he's a big he's a big guy. But little little people, they should be up fucking straight away, ready for the next thing that you're going to do to them. So you know, there's differences, but a lot a lot of promotions, a guarantee if you went out there and and said right, so uh, you know, bump and feed, they wouldn't know what the fuck feeding was. I really do think that. And if if, if I'd have got definitely if I'd have gone back in my early time, they wouldn't have known what feeding was. It would have been a foreign concept to them. Um, but it's so important because you need to be up and ready for the, for the for your opponent. Um, you know, because otherwise he's just going to be standing there looking like a prick.
0: People get caught up in the moves when planning a match as well. And I've, I've done it many a times because I think sometimes, like you were saying there, you explain how you would create the start of a match. You'd be like, yeah, I'm going to come out and cut a promo and then we might do a bit of wrestling. And then, you know, we'll do this, this, and I'll call this. Like, I think that can be quite daunting for a lot of people. And I think like if, if, if for instance, they're a new person, they're like, Oh, but, but like, what moves are going to go in there? You're like, well, it doesn't matter what moves are in there. Like a move like we've established could be a punch, could be a headbutt, could be a snapmare, could be, could be anything. But those aren't always necessary things that you need to plan every step of the way before you get into the ring. And I think that's, that's a thing people try and put, sort of put too many moves into a match. And oh, yeah, as we've established, like moves are a very important part of the of the of the wrestling match and of the wrestling business because, you know, they're the things that kinda of get people into it. But like you can't discount things like your footwork and making the the smaller things look nice and neat and tidy, a good headlock, a great lockup, you know, a convincing hammer lock, a convincing, you know, wrist lock, things like that, a good whipping snapmare, running the ropes good and, you know, smooth and, and safely, taking a nice clothesline. But then somebody would be like, well, yeah, but where are the moves? Like, when, when are we going to get to the moves? You're like, but they, they are the moves. We're, we're trying to go into the ring and tell a story. And the story is told through various different ways. You don't watch a movie and it's just people talking. That there might be movies that are just people talking, but like if you go to watch a you know a big blockbuster movie, there's going to be cinematic moments. There's going to be slower moments. There's going to be fast-paced moments. There's going to be bits full of dialogue. There's going to be bits full of action. And there's going to be you know high and it's going to be a roller coaster journey. And that's what you want to do with the wrestling match. You don't want to just be in there and be like, right, okay, from start to finish, we're going to do this move and then this move and then this move, and then this move then you do this move and i do this move and i do this move and you do this move and it's just like well that's just just it's just a series of moves. That's not a wrestling match. You're not telling a story. You're not starting off in the in the right way and doing your fundamentals and your basics and, and telling a really compelling story. Like I said, you said, you, you would do your match and I would obviously have my match depending on who my opponent is. And I would want to tell a story and whatever that story is, we want to tell it convincingly and we want to show it with our bodies. We want to show it with our faces. We don't want to like basically just tell the crowd like I would just in there to do a few moves. Like we're going to be like, this is a good guy. This guy is well-loved by the fans, and this is a bad guy. He screams at the fans, and he spits at them, and he does all this sort of stuff. And it's like, you want this person to win, you want this person to lose. And it's like, we're telling the story. Is this person better? Is this person better? Like, And, and it's it, it's all done in a, in a really kind of interesting way. And if you just do moves, personally, that'd be the, the same as going to watch a movie, and it'd just be action for... For an hour long, and then they they just kind of finish at the end. You'd be like, "Oh, well, that was just, it was it was just action. Where, where's where's the heart? Where's the where's the compelling parts? Where's the storyline? Where's the the intrigue? The romance? Where's you know who's the villain? Who's the good guy? Whereas you've just got moves, and you you can't just do moves, right?
1: No, no, exactly. Like I've always said, and you said at the beginning, you know, moves are the tools that we use to um to tell our stories they're the they're the uh they're the words they're the words and we have to put them in the right order so that um the the words make sense and by the end of the match we've got a nice little book there and it all makes sense and um you know it, it's it's it, either the, the bad guy wins or the good guy wins and you know we obviously we've all got different styles and we've all got different ways of of wrestling but And, you know, and this is for everyone who who wrestles from the the lightweights who do all the flips. And I don't want people to stop doing them. You know, I've worked with Jack Hammer for years. um, And even though I can't do a lot of the flippy shit he does, I trust that he can because Jack wouldn't do it unless he knew he could do it and do it safely. You know, he's not going to be the sort of person who says, oh, lie there and let me do a moonsault or a 450. Like he's going to be the sort of person who's going to practice and practice and practice and practice until he feels he's ready to try it on something. So he'll fucking try it on a fucking doll or something like that and he'll try and he'll try and he'll try. And then I think he ended up trying it you know, on his dad for a few days, fucking trying it and trying it and trying it. And, um, you know, he got it perfect. So I trust him to do a lot of these moves, or most of these moves, extreme, extremely safely. Um, you know, there's sometimes he might get a bit excited, do something that he's seen on the fucking All Japan World or whatever. But in general, he is so super safe. He likes working Snake a little bit. But he's so super safe for even with, his, even with his high flyer moves that, you know, it would I wouldn't worry about taking it, um, you know, uh, and, I wouldn't, and I wouldn't worry about anyone else coming into Fallen Star Wrestling and taking a lot of his moves because he's worked on them and perfected them. It's taken him years to do it, but he's finally done it. So that shooting star press that you see, has got years years of work in it. So, you know, you have got to be sure that you can do the moves. Um, you gotta be sure that they're in the right place, um, no matter what style of wrestler you are and what story you're telling. In the end, if someone was to type your match um and look at it and fucking and it and it told a story at the end of it you think to yourself, you know, fucking good job. That's the way it's meant to be. It's, you know, back in the day when we were yarding or doing what we were doing and just doing moves, we were doing moves where the person who got the move done on them will probably be up quicker than the fucking person who did it. And then they'd do a move on you. And um, to be honest with you, and this is, the, and this is probably something that's uh, – that the yarders and things like that will like to hear and You know, fucking, uh, you know, the wrestlers of uh, any or quite like to hear. But I, I do sort of believe this. If you watch wrestling and are a Yarder, and, you know, which is dangerous and I don't condone it, but you are a Yarder, a lot of the moves can be worked out, I think, by just viewing them by sight. I think you can work out how to do a power driver by looking at it, and I think you can work out how to do a power bomb by looking at it, and the suplex and stuff like that. You can work out how to how to do it, but you can't work out how to throw a decent strike or a decent punch, and you can't work out how to protect a post or protect other people, or you know the, you don't know the ethos of wrestling. You just know how to do the, the moves because you've watched them and, and sort of and sort of learn them I do think that you know you need to learn that it's not all about the moves and uh, if that's the case then watch one of my matches because I do I do do a few but you know they're, they're in the right place um, they you know and I make sure I put them in the right place because I listen to the crowd I always make sure that they they look good I always make sure I do them properly when I do them and I keep the person safe. Um, but they still have to be in the right part of the match and, you know, affect the the, the story of the match. Otherwise, why why am I going to do it? Why am I going to put myself through pain and put someone else through pain to, you know, have a rest of the match and, you know, not tell a story? How, how fucking different is... Like when you're walking a wrestling training school, like, or oh, and you're a yarder, like you get to have all your mates and you just start fucking powerbombing each other. But you don't learn the discipline of wrestling, and you don't know how to land properly, and you, you don't know the 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 extreme basics which are hugely important. So I I'm want like, it's be, it's be interesting. I wonder what they think. I
0: think it's a little bit of you know it it could be a similar thing in terms of like martial arts or whatever. Like for me. You you might watch a martial arts movie and see Jackie Chan or Bruce Lee or whoever on screen and be like, ah, oh, that's easy, just throw a couple of kicks, you know, you block and you go wah or whatever. But you don't you don't know the discipline that goes into that, the years of training that goes into that, and how the you know the fight scene might be choreographed or how to really properly do that thing. And it's the same thing with wrestling. Like like you said, you can watch WWE, and I did for years and years and years. And then sometimes at school or you know after school or on a weekend, we'd go around a mate's house and. Put a couple of gym mats on the floor and 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 piss around kind of wrestling. And, yeah, we managed to do a ddt. We managed to do a bulldog. but like, we didn't, we didn't know where we were putting them in a match. We didn't know how to do them properly. We might have done them on the wrong side or we might have done them in the wrong place or we're not landing properly. And there, there were times, you know, you'd you'd end the day of doing backyard wrestling and you'd be absolutely crippled because, you know, you're just kind of just throwing each other around and not really having any kind of regard for how things are done properly. And I can imagine it's a little bit like, you know, when you have go, go swimming and your ears get blocked and then like, you might kind of like shake your head or put your finger in your ear and then the, and then the world just kind of opens up because like, your ears become unblocked and you can just hear everything really, really loud. I imagine it's a little bit like that of just like thinking you know everything but knowing nothing and then just having your, your head exploded in the terms of like, oh this is actually how it is. This is this is this is not like what I thought it was going to be like. This is a whole new world. You
1: know, the amount of people I've had come up to me who said oh yeah I've been wrestling for years I'm like for oh just in my backyard and me and my mates have set up a federation and blah 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 and I'm like so you've never wrestled ever do you know what I mean like you know I'm not being offensive or anything like that I'm sure you're having a great time with your mates and I'm sure that you know you'll pick the moves up quickly when we do them but uh, unfortunately you've got to go through a whole new world of shit before you get to that point because you could really hurt yourself wrestling is dangerous as it is so you got, you need to learn the the basics they like say rolls falls bumps footwork all that sort of stuff before you can even think about going out there and and going into your little backyard area. Because when I was was younger, like they used to be like a backyard in league pack was in it. And so was Paul Robinson. And they used to fucking like agree to meet up in all these different areas of the countries. It was like gypsy fights agreed to meet up in all these different areas of the fucking country. And then they would have like, um, they'd put together cards and stuff. And, um, you know do it probably have a uh, have a backyard show and um, Paul at the time he, he was doing backyarding, but he was a pro he'd been wrestling as a pro for years and years and he'd done kickboxing and he was hard as nails um, Pack was still wrestling as well but obviously there's something that draws people to the to the backyard and stuff. As I said, it's probably like the camaraderie with their mates and stuff like that. But as much as I understand backyard wrestling, it's not something that you should carry on with. You know, you, if, you, if you grow out of wrestling, then great, become a fucking lawyer. But if you love wrestling, then there are schools around, including mine, but there are schools around that will teach you how to do things properly. Make sure that you don't fucking hurt yourself and then because you might have a bit of natural talent you might be able to move on a little bit quicker because you know you know how to do a 450 splash out of a tree so you must know how to do it on, on a fucking wrestling ring so you know that, that let's, let's give it a go and that can be your finish and you know we can build around that
0: Join the Falling Star Wrestling family on Facebook. Find us at Falling Star Wrestling to find out when our next shows are going to be. Subscribe to the podcast on your preferred podcast platform. And don't forget to share this with another wrestling fan that appreciates deep dives into wrestling storytelling, psychology and more.
1: All of the moves that, that we spoke about um, are moves that can just come out of nowhere. And they were always the uh, best wrestling moves, the ones that came out of nowhere, you know, kick to the gut, stunner, fucking rock bottom, fucking, you know, the FU, bang on the shoulders, done, fucking, you know, tombstone, you know, fucking whatever. But what do you reckon to say moves like the pedigree that do take setting up and, do take a little while and things like that. Do you you like the Pedigree? Do you think it's a good move? Well,
0: before we came on I sort of wrote down a list of wrestling moves that I quite enjoyed watching when I was younger and the Pedigree was actually one of them because I think it's such a unique move that I don't think it really matters too much whether it's that kind of snappy thing because it's a move so sort of synonymous with Triple H. It's not really been used anywhere else other than when sort of Seth Rollins kind of took on the mantle and started doing it. So it's almost like this kind of very unique move and granted it is is a move that can be done very badly but it's a move that can look really quite devastating as well because (laughs) it's basically a move where you're taking away your opponent's arms and not giving them any kind of opportunity to to defend themselves and then you're just ramming their face into into the canvas and earlier on triple h used to do the whole things where he'd hook his hands and basically you know you, you were forced to take a front bump and if you didn't do it properly then you were gonna either land on your head or land sort of sloppily and maybe break your nose or something but then as he kind of progressed in his career he then started to kind of hook I think it. he was
1: hurting people
0: yeah he started to like as he would hook it and then as he would jump he would kind of unhook his hands and give the opponent the opportunity to kind of brace for the impact and stuff like that. But I just remember being in love with that move because it was just so different to everything else. And it was always a protected finish move and it could be done sort of inside the ring, outside the ring. And there was always a way... Into it, that was always quite unique. Sometimes you might just do the kick to the gut, but there might be other ways into it, or and there was always a way out of it as well. Like in Triple H, always took a good going back to it, a back body drop, especially if it's on the outside. He might kick him in the gut, go for the pedigree, and then they'd you know break the arms and then do a back body drop. And he was always really good at taking a back body drop on the outside, and you could do that on the inside, and it really worked. And I always think of, I always think back to I think it's Royal Rumble '99 where he wrestled uh, Cactus Jack in the uh, in the street fight where he pedigrees Mick Foley. On the thumbtacks, and he—that was one where he, where he held the arms, and it's just such a devastating move, and it's just like. I, I really liked it and, and I've taken it a few times. Obviously, Jaden Scar in Falling Star Wrestling uses the pedigree and I've never had any kind of issues with it because I know that it's it's, it's all in the timing and we have pretty good timing. Yeah, it can be a move that can be miscalculated and, and, and go in the wrong direction.
1: Uh, at the start, he crippled that bloke with it. Do you remember that? Have you ever seen that footage?
0: The guy thought he was going to um, do a tiger uh, suplex or something, didn't he? And he jumped up in the air yeah, or something?
1: Yeah, he did. He, he fought... Um he thought when Triple H hooked him that he was going to do yeah like a Tiger pedigree flex type thing where he was going to flip on his back so the guy started to jump and turn and obviously Triple H held him because that's you know he didn't want him to do that the guy just jabbed his head into the ground broke his neck and I don't know if he got any compensation he might have done but he still obviously blames Triple H but Triple H says, you know, to to this day, you know, he fucking sits there and says, I told the folk uh, like, this is what the move is, to pancake it. And, you know, this is the way it's gonna go. This is the way I do it. And, you know, that's all you need to do is kick your legs out and pancake it. So um, obviously this guy who was a bit of a journeyman just forgot. Um, or he uh, or he tried to make it look extra special and just fucked himself up big style um but yeah it's, it's i think the pedigrees are relatively safe moving out i think when he wouldn't let go of the arms or you know he was
0: and like looking back if you look at the earlier pedigrees that he actually did do is like you know he had that kind of was it like the french gimmick where he was like hunter hearst helmsley he was like the aristocrat or whatever yeah. when he actually used to do the pedigree when he used to hang on to the arms it didn't actually look as good it looked sort of less it looked less devastating, like obviously it's a devastating move, but it just sort of looked less devastating because it sort of like hook the arms and he sort of jump up and they're both like land. And there wasn't that kind of like, you know, later on he'd jump up and then you know, both kind of hit the ground and then jump back up again and have that sort of spring. He would just kind of like basically sort of like hook the arms and jump and then you both hit them out at the same time and sort of go flat there wasn't that like spring kind of gave that like impact that you could kind of like sell off of so I think it actually got better when he when he did start like leaving the uh when it started leaving the arms and and didn't hook them and yeah there's been a few times where it hasn't gone that well and I think of one where did he try to pedigree Kurt Angle on an announce table once and the announce table basically like whipped out from underneath them and they both come crashing down together and I think Triple H might have hurt his quad and I think Kurt Angle got knocked out as well so you know it's the importance of doing moves doing them correctly but sometimes you don't have to do dumb stuff like pedigree each other on tables and, and, and stuff like that
1: Yeah I think the table collapsed Bang! Kurt Angle was knocked out and um, tr- he um Kurt Angle in his book he just fucking totally uh, gives Triple H and and Stephanie actually credit for credit for that match because because if you look at it, you know they planned a three-way match. It was obviously quite intricate. The fucking the Rock came out um, when he was supposed to actually, but um, Angle was totally fucked. They took him backstage, and um, he didn't know where he lived, didn't know his name. He, he fucking sort of half knew after a while. And he said, "I need to get back to, back out to that ring. I'm and finish the match." And Stephanie was with him and said, "You know, the you're done. You're so concussed, you can't fucking barely remember what's going on." She said, "Do you know what you're meant to be doing when you get out there?" And he said, "No, I don't actually. I I, I don't." And he said, oh. "She said, right, we'll go back out there. I'll call the moose you when you when you're near the outside." Hunter will call the moves when you're fucking in the ring and that's what they did man and they, and they had a really good three way match and fucking The Rock was obviously on fire he fucking knew what he was doing but he, he let Triple H call it and uh, Triple H has got him through the the rest of the match and it didn't really sh- obviously it showed that Kurt Angle was hurt but it didn't show in the ring afterwards when he came back that he was a step off or fucked anything up you know, he was, but he was the whole time just totally listening, just totally listening for what came next because he could not remember a fucking job. They wouldn't let it happen now, but um, which is a good thing. But, yeah, he couldn't remember a fucking dicky word. That's a testament to to Hunter and his wife for, for just getting him, getting him through it because he, he wasn't going to come out he wasn't winning the title anyway I think Triple H retained it so you know it it, it wasn't it wasn't going to be like that but um, but yeah fucking um, he came out and was 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 called everything from from top to bottom which I think is amazing because the WWE stuff is so much more intricate than everyone else's um, that, uh, that I understand why they probably have to plan their matches a bit more I still don't understand why I have to have totally scripted promos because they're fucking awful. But you know, I I understand why they you know have to do it on a, on a time and you know, yeah, you, know, you, you you can't really go too far over time. So it just goes to show how good Triple H is really. How amazing it is to to be able to go in there, just calm, Kurt right down, and fucking you know give them a. Give him a really good match, obviously with with the with the rock involved, and um, you know, go and go back to the moves again. I think that um, Angle had a great moveset. I loved, I liked the Olympic Slam. Obviously, when it first when he first started, he tended to do that more, and then slip over into the ankle lock. And you will find that when, especially when Ed tries to do it in. Um, in falling star I do he forgets a lot of his spots, um, which is which is a fucking shame because he's not a bad little worker or any. Really. and in the end he 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 does have the talent and the ability to become um to become half decent, but he just he just can't remember spots. Now I'm not one for advocating spots. That's why I always tell and say that let's that, see what happens, let's feel the crowd. Kurt Angle and Ed. This is why I mentioned Ed. Is Kurt Angle got the ankle lock over big style? Like when he hooked it on, fucking crowd went crazy. And then when he would roll back a little bit and then hook it on like he did with Michaels, you know, just trying to put them in different ways. The pop was the pop was huge. When Ed goes out and does his his match and wins a few matches, he needs to fucking know because his special move is a backstabber into some submission. Fair enough. Um, I would have just gone for the backstabber personally, but if 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 he wants to do the submission move afterwards, I can't really stop him. But how's it going? How how are people going to realise that 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 is his finishing move?
0: I think, well, you know, the first time that Kurt Angle did the Olympic Slam, I'm sure people were like, oh, that's quite a cool move. But because he was so established on television and was doing it every Monday night and every Thursday night on SmackDown, and then the pay-per-views would come around, he was winning every match with the Olympic Slam, every match with the Olympic Slam, doing the same kind of moves, and it goes back to having a move set as well. You just, through repetition, you get that move over, and then when he did transition to the ankle lock, like... The first couple of times he did it, you were like, Well, why is he doing that? Like I, I liked it when he did the Olympic slam or the angle slam or or, or all, all of those types of moves, you know, for five German suplexes in a row or anything like that. Big moon sort a cage. But because he did it week in, week out, and he won with that and he made it convincing and he played that into the story of the match, and sometimes, you know, that would be the downfall. Like if he's wrestling Eddie Guerrero, Eddie Guerrero under his boot and gets out of the uh, out of the ankle lock and, and wins the match that way. You know, you, you can kind of do so many different things with it, but I think with with any move, with any move set, with any wrestler, you have to establish what your wrestler does. And I think a lot of people, you know, it, myself included, when you when you first start off, you probably have a, a move set as long as you know Chris Jericho's a thousand and one holds. But until you kind of start weeding them out and knowing which ones you can do well, which ones work, and you start doing them week after week after week after week, and then then you know maybe a year later after you've been doing that move not in necessarily the same spot every time but if it's your kind of like you the precursor to your finish and you've hit that move and then like they might start popping for that or if they know what your finish is they know when you hit the cutter jimmy that that's you know it's normally game over they know that's that's the reason you're gonna win the match so i think if you're gonna put in a submission into your repertoire you gotta make sure you either get it locked in and look like you're gonna win every match, or you have to win every match with it, and can't just be like, ah, oh, this time I'm gonna win with the backstabber, oh, next time I win with the, the submission, and then I will win with the roll up. Like to get these, get the crowd trained. You got you got to ingrain it in their brains, haven't you? Exactly,
1: and that's what it's all about getting the getting the crowd trained. And, and you and you just said it perfectly a, a second ago. You know, um, have your move set of you know, four or five moves that the crowd recognize and are going to fucking pop for you. Um, you know, when you do them or how you do them or whatever, um, you know, you're going to have more moves, do more moves, take more moves. If the guy wants you to do, do that, if it makes sense psychologically, then, then do it. But you know, when you grab your fucking whatever, what, Whatever one of your moves is, for example, or when I give someone a German or when I give someone a, a fall away or something like that, um, you know, they're going to fucking look at that and they're going to go, oh, fuck yeah, I, I recognize this. And it's going to get, yeah, yeah, you've trained them. You've trained them to, to, cheer, to cheer for that because, oh, fuck, here he goes, fall away, slam so time, shit, boom, he's hit it right, awesome. What's he going to do now? So you know, people know know the move, know what's happening, and it's the same with like you said. We've had submission. He needs to beat beat a few people with it, beat quite a lot of people with it. He needs to put it on in, intensely or stick to the backstabber. You know, I've I've always thought apart from the sharpshooter and a few other um, a few other moves, I thought submission. I've always thought submission moves are quite hard to get over as finishes unless you people see you on TV every fucking week. They don't come out of nowhere. Um, you fucking, you know, you have to have them on for ages. And all, all, all what you can do is is go through a few of the, um, the newer guys at the FSW roster and just fucking have two or three-minute matches, whack that fucking, um, that hold on, or oh, sorry, do the backstabber and whack the hold on because I think it flows quite nicely. And then have the fucking trainee guy tap straight away. Done. Do that. Do that five or six times with five or six different people. Um, you know, falling star rested. They're going to start recognizing that that's the fucking. You know, that's the move. That that's that's the yeah. end. Um, so you know. And then when he starts resting, the more established guys, you know, he he knows or we know that we can't let him get it on. So he might backstab backstabbed stab us. But we, we we can't let him get it on. And if he does, he's probably gonna beat us yes, unless we can fucking roll back into the roll back into the ropes or whatever. Going back to moves just being tools, okay, if we if we can get that backstabber and that and, and that submission exciting um and get it over, then fucking lovely, you know, awesome. But um, if he does it and it's just going blank and it's going blank for you know for a little while, then maybe just try the backstabber. See how that goes, because that's quite a fucking that's quite a cool move that comes out now. Just try that back one, two, three.
0: The thing is with moves, is one person could do a move and it could get no reaction but then another person could do the exact same move and then they would get a reaction it just depends whether it fits within your character and whether you're doing it in a in a way that makes sense like Kurt Angle the ankle lock worked for him because He is an Olympic gold medalist and he's, you know, he's a wrestler and he can wrestle you to the ground. He's got intensity and he, when he hooks that on, you know, that's, it's basically either going to be the finish. They're going to tap out or they're going to somehow get out of it and then then we're going to lead to the finish. But then when Jack Swagger started doing it, it just wasn't as good. And it's like, well, it's the same move, but, but why is it not getting over? Is it because it was somebody else's move? Possibly. Is it because everyone associates it with Kurt Angle? Possibly, but, or was it just the way that Jack Swagger put the move in? And it's like, any wrestler can get a good move over if they just do it right, or they make it theirs and make it unique. Like, you think of somebody like a Santino Marella. For a while, he would do the, the bloody Cobra thing, which is literally him just kind of poking somebody in in the throat, with, with his hand, but because he did the whole kind of theatre and pageantry and he put the sock on his arm and then he did the, the cobra and then he did the pose and then he hit them and then he pinned them straight away. It was like, yeah, like, we can get behind that because we're seeing it every week. It kind of makes us smile enough and he's getting over the fact by doing things in in a certain way, you know. He always did the pose, he always did the the call-out. Same for, same for the mandible claw and Mr. Socko, like it's not a great move. It's not the best move in the world, and Mankind wouldn't always win with it, but it's just the fact that he would make a whole big pageantry about getting the sock out of his pants, putting the sock on, and then, you know, kind of winding up to do it. And it's like, you can get a move over that isn't very good just by kind of presenting it in a unique and interesting way. But if Mankind would have just done the mandible claw out of nowhere then maybe that wouldn't have worked if The Rock did the people's elbow but didn't do the whole swipe their their shoulder over with his, with his foot, slowly take off his, his, his elbow pad, throw it into the crowd, swing his arms left or right, run the ropes, run the ropes, and then hit the elbow. If he just hit an elbow, you go, ah, oh, that's an elbow. But he did the people's elbow. He made it his. He made a big song and dance about it. And I think that's the thing. Like, you just have to make the move your own so it doesn't, Feel like somebody else's. Jack Swagger's ankle lock looked like Kurt Angle's ankle lock. Whereas if you do a different move, or you do the same move but present it in a completely different way, like you can make it your own. You just put like a nice little twist on it, and then then it becomes your move. You're not just borrowing somebody else's move. And I think that's how you can get over in wrestling. Possibly. I don't know. What do I
1: know? <laughs> you know, we we've gone for a few moves, a few that we like, but we've also spoke about the psychology of when to do them, where where to do them, and how. And that's the thing about any wrestling move, any single wrestling move that you do, um, you know, unless you're being watched on TV every week and people know, you know, exactly what you what, what you're doing, um, you need to go out there and um, and you know, if you're going to be wrestling in front of those guys again, establish your character, establish who you are, and establish what moves you do. You know, all it takes is a couple of three times they, they know that, that, that it's something that that you do regular. But the best way um, I came up with describing it, and I never heard it off anyone else, it was, to, to, it was, it was to my knowledge, it was me who invented it. Is um, yeah, the the move, the moves are the tools. Always bear in mind that um, you know, no matter how cool the move is, um, or how dangerous it is, or dangerous it looks, or you know, oh, it's this is safe, don't worry. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm sure it is. You know, but you know, even if it isn't whatever moves you do in wrestling have to fit into the storyline that you're trying to create. Um, And if you're creating a storyline or a story um, and you think that you're going to get through it and you think that the the match is going to get over by doing loads of moves, you, you, you really are wrong. Like, you know, some people do more moves than others. In Fallen Star Wrestling, I, I think that even though we, we put the spots that we put ourselves in, sometimes we have to do a little bit more. But, I, you know, I, I like to think that I've trained you guys to realize that the moves actually don't mean a great deal. Um, it's the excitement and the intensity of seeing their favorite person start to win um, out and, it, and it's the the sadness and the fucking pain of the person that they really love starting to lose, um, you know. So it's 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 all about storyline. It always has has been. You could go in there with, with two moves um, and uh, a finisher, and as, as long as as long as you fucking get the result that the crowd want they're going to go fucking bad for it. Um, and if you get the result that they don't want, they're going to be pissed off, but they're not going to hate you. They're going to hate the heel. It's cool talking about Moose, but it's almost sort of redundant in a way in terms of like how, how it, how it works within a wrestling match. But you also need to know uh, how to learn how to do them safely. Okay. And, and I'm, I, I watch TV sometimes and i watch some independence and stuff on YouTube and, you can just tell that they haven't been trained right. Even even the bigger companies, they just haven't been trained right. Um, and that's not their fault. Um, you know, that's just the the, the training that, that they've been given. There are some schools that are great and teach, you know, teach, teach like we do or even teach better with falling star wrestling. I will always teach you the moves and I'll always teach at the foundations and the basics and the, the the spots and you know how to do a spot if you want to be a spot monkey be a spot monkey i'll teach you how to do it all so that you can make your choice and be the type of wrestler you want to be but just fucking remember it isn't a case of the more moves the better um it's a case of the right moves at the right time that's what fucking wrestling is about it's the spirit of the thing. It's telling the story. It's taking people on a journey. Just remember that you're an entertainer. You're out there to entertain a crowd. The moves and the bumps and the fucking oohs and the ahs are essential. After a while, once the, the kids or the adults have got used to the bumps and the oohs and the ahs, where are you going from there? Are you just going to carry on doing, doing everything you know? Are, are we going to create something, create a character or not, not even necessarily create character, just fucking, you know, just be that fucking guy like me in a single that I know last week we said, and I think I agreed that I was the Tony Dreamer of Falling Star Wrestling. Well, you know, think of a gimmick that will work for you if you, if all you want to do is wear a single and think, think you can't think of anything. You know, there's still a lot of characters that we have. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of, of work we can do with you. But there's nothing wrong with being a wrestler for a year, year or two who just comes out there and wrestles to try and learn his trade. You don't have to be fucking uh, super big bollocks to uh, go out there and fucking start thinking about belts and, you know, you need to learn your craft. You know, Cray, Jack, you, Rob i been moving around for ten years, probably longer, and you know you know exactly what you're doing, and you deserve opportunities because you're always there. You always put your fucking heart and soul into it to to put what I've taught you into practice, and to try and make a success of it. And that's why that's why I'm quite pleased and uh, and and I'm proud of and proud of you guys, you know because you've actually done what a lot of people don't do and and listen. No matter how much you tell someone who's quite young in the business and is really athletic and happens to be really good, no matter how many times you fucking tell them that, you know, yeah, that's okay, but just slow things down and just change things up a little bit. And, you know, you don't need to do that. You don't need to do this, but this is cool. They don't fucking listen until a few years down the road where they've hurt themselves fucking cripple themselves before they've even fucking got to it halfway through their career. Wrestle. Wrestle smart. Wrestle for a story. Wrestle for a purpose. Wrestle for the psychology. Don't wrestle for yourself or for your mates or for your family to show off and see how much you can do. You know, they got to pay your fucking rent when you're in a hospital with a fucking broken leg because you've tried something ridiculous. Do you know what I mean? Thank you everyone for for listening, our next show is the uh, 14th of yeah, it's 14th of August at the Western Sports and Social Club. We've got Heacham on the 28th, I believe, and then in September we've got three shows. Just uh, keep coming to our shows, keep supporting them, and come out. And I might, I might, if I'm feeling generous, do a like and share competition because we want the rest of this year to be an absolute ball stormer. We started very well and we just want to keep getting better for you guys just keep coming man. just keep coming and uh filling those seats and fucking making loads of noise and uh just enjoying a night out with your fallen star wrestling family because that's what we're all about. we're 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 a family
0: we are indeed Jimmy and we will all be together in person to have our family squabbles on the 14th and 28th of August. Find out more information over on Facebook at Falling Star Wrestling. If you have a question for me, you can fire them over to at PVC Pro Wrestler on Facebook and Instagram, or you can contact the main man himself and maybe send him a pair of pants on Facebook at Jimmy Star Wrestler. We hope to see you very soon. And on behalf of me and Jimmy, thanks for listening. And we'll catch you next time for another edition of the Falling Star Wrestling Podcast. Bye bye.
1: I think that was quite a good one, actually. Hopefully.